Is it live? I've not got my glasses on. I can't see. <laughs> I can't be yeah, whether it's live. Uh, we are actually live. I need to uh, double check. Yo. Yo. Testing, testing. No peeking. Ooh. Let's just are we good? Turn, let's turn you up a little bit. Yeah. There we go. Right. Okie dokie, pig in a pokey. Fantastic, let's do this <laughs> shit. Yo! Richard Preston, hello there, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to a wonderful episode of Biscotti Conversations and another magnificent guest hanging. Thank you very much, Richard, for coming off my Halloween special. Oh, Halloween special, my joint host. Oh, cheers, mate. Cheers, man. Thank you so much for coming on, mate. You are very welcome. Oh, what do you think of the space? I mean... <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love your setup. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, it's awesome. Mm. Oh, good distance for your mic there. Good man. Is that a good distance? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You ready for a shot? Let's do it. This is a uh, shout out to Gus. He's going to come on the podcast at some point. Is He's he? my friend is from he? Venezuela and he hooked me up with this oh, one. Sick. That is incredible. I had it on a previous podcast. <laughs> and they, it's the one where they, where they do the barrel for it. They put banana leaves and cocoa um like chocolate leaves and stuff on top of it and then they set fire to that and burn the top to infuse the oh, flavor shit. into the barrel that's where that's for real deal exactly <laughs> mate. anyway that's nice how long was it since we mm. were last in discussion with each other about anything i think new year we said 20 the beginning of 2020 oh my god that's no way was that and we didn't know any of this would happen 10 months what's currently happening months ago jesus is it it doesn't oh, feel Christ. like 10 months ago not at all uh, it's crazy uh well yeah. bloody hell. thank you ever so much for <laughs> it's really really yeah. really kind of you to come on the nah, that's cool too. i've never done anything like this no. that's a different i'm always behind the camera yeah so, like, it seems it seems different being in front of the camera yeah but, um, oh, yeah. yes, eh? Actually, you forget, because it's like you're talking. You need to become, you forget about the mic to, to the microphone. You're a bit jammed up there. Let me, let me just, let me just. Normally it's me doing it. It makes a good change. With how much I love doing this, it's a fucking ball to set it all up. It really, it really is. But I love the end results going back and listening yeah, to yeah. it. And the trails of conversation that you find with people are so yeah. cool. Yeah, especially yeah. to revisit and and everything as well though like it's it's strange sure the um i think one of the things as well is that you realize when you've got a guest on anybody as well you have to i don't know you kind of you become addicted to (laughs) like before i say anything to you no matter how excited i have to be i have to go Hi, hi, Richard. i have to to into my mic you say you look like looking with the side of your eye yeah which is like because you're addressing Obviously, the camera as well, aren't we? So yeah. like, if you want like, to, yeah. Well, you don't. Mm. But you don't actually have to do that if you don't want to. I don't. Normally, <laughs> kind of occasionally, I'll have a little bit of a, of a oh, yeah, one eye at you and one eye at the camera. <laughs> 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 like, like, like a crap comedian. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, yes. Yeah, so uh, tell us a little bit about yourself then. You know, make, make your make your peasants known. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. So. 
All right, I always try not to get too philosophical when I ask that question. It's like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> what's that? What's that scene on anger management? Like, uh, when he gets angry, it's like, what's your name? It's like, no, not your name. What do you do? Like, what? What? Who are you? <laughs> what do you mean? Who am I? And it's like he gets really angry. I don't know what you mean. <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, I think you titled a video. Obviously, that I do videography. Absolutely. Uh, which I do do. I'm not, I've not done it in some time, though. Like, I've taken a little break from it. Um, is that due to COVID or is that for personal reasons? Um, not, no, not not because of COVID. Well, because I, I had a wedding booked, like, uh, which I was going to do, but obviously COVID affected that. Yeah. Because uh, it's like a limited guest number, isn't it? It's like, it's two or whatever it is, how many people you're allowed. Uh, yeah, but I think. Videos of passion. Obviously, we met at uni, and yeah. I did film production at seven years ago. Oh god, something crazy. Yeah. Twenty sixteen. That's when we graduated. Yeah. October twenty sixteen. I graduated in twenty seventeen. Oh, of course, you I did. had to do a real lot of Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, so I did film. I film is a passion. It always will be. Yeah. Um, and then I kind of. Tried like uh, doing like production companies and that, uh, but I find like myself sitting around quite a lot. Like, because uh, you normally start off as like a runner or something, which is like kind of making tea and coffees and that. And I think I was like a bit impatient because I wanted to like get into the actual filming and that. Yeah. So I thought I'm gonna do it myself. How so, many, like, is it, are you around other runners as well? Like, what what's that like? Because you you must be like through that logic, through my, my thinking. Because my brother was a runner and is now a producer. But like, yeah, yeah. He um, but uh, what's what's that like? Because I never really asked him. Like, what's the is is every other runner? I want to be a producer. Is that like you know? That's what <laughs> I mean. Like, is everybody else around you? Like, well, I think everyone has uh, a kind of what they want to do within the film production. So, like, you want a film set. It's like. Everyone has their, like, you know, what they want to do. Like, someone might want to do camera. Yeah. Someone might want to do sound. So, like, everyone has their specific kind of field. So, like, there isn't every, like, like loads of competition yeah. but one, one <laughs> specific field. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So, I want to get that guy a bagel. <laughs> I also want to get that guy a bagel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I have had it. <laughs> yeah. I have had it at uni because, like, uh, basically, in third year at uni, we had like um, this kind of they gave us uh, like this opportunity to work on a film set. Uh, and we worked on this film with this uh, director called uh, Tim Pope. Uh, Tim Pope is like, uh, he's like a music video director. Uh, but basically, like, yeah, I remember like uh, making the like drinks at one point, and like, uh, you had like kind of uh, like a an order of tricks. And yeah. like, you have to try and remember what people want. Like that person was two sugars, that person was one sugar. And like, I remember just my head getting in a mess because I, I forgot like what people, what they want. Obviously, and it's like, and I think like it's really irrational, but sometimes you're like, oh shit, if I get the wrong tea, that's not going to be a job. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You probably place a lot of pressure on yourself, uh, you know, like, like high expectations of people and, and the like. So, um, uh, but anyway, like, so how do you, um, did, did you kind of like have a, a middle ground that kind of like, you know, did you end up with a job that was actually behind the camera and working, you know, for people that were creating a film that you were kind of 
that you know you you were doing that job, you were fulfilling the job of cameraman or you know key grip or even you know, yeah like yeah yeah um yeah I think um yeah the, you were kind of like because this like film set was like uh, a kind of set out like a professional film set mm. uh, so you could see what they're doing because I think the idea was is to like you know like see how they do it as a professional industry. Yeah. And then you like apply it to your own filmmaking when you go to do it. Um, but the cat, the uni had good cameras. We had like, uh, like good quality cameras. So, That's and they were like, yeah, and they were like industry standard cameras, which is like really important because you don't want to go out there and have like experience and like, you know, like uh, a camera that is an industry like standard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like you get, you know, the experience on professional cameras. Which is yeah. good and important because when you go out to, you know, shoot in the industry, uh, then you then you know the cameras are the industry standard cameras. So, absolutely, yeah. And you're, you're a lot more like I suppose that kind of like adds on to being a lot more clued up and kind of knowing what you're talking about when you're when you're yeah. Like, you know, it can be absolutely. embarrassing if you turn up there and you're like oh, I'm used to using a handheld like, <laughs> video camera with a little, little lens like, screen coming out the side of it. So, <laughs> Not, not that it's probably the end of the world to film all I'm sure they've, they've, got, they've gotten very good since you know, I was a kid. But yeah. like, I think generally, you know, a lot of people, they're passionate about what they're doing it. So it's like they, they're sort of they're happy with the experience. I think it's, it's just from showing enthusiasm. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like a lot of stuff. Because I think when you're, when you're younger, do you know what I mean? And you have people who are experienced in the fields, they kind of they like to get new people. Yeah, uh, yeah, they're hungry to say maybe like lights a spark or something that they used to have or something, and they yeah. just see what I mean. And they, it's kind of inspiring yeah. to have people like that around on the set as well because it kind of like feeds the dream that you've got or your vision if you're the person who's in charge of creating the actual thing in the first place. Um, but yeah, well, so, um, you worked on the <laughs> you worked on um, uh, a, a horror picture though before, didn't you? <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> So it's actually, uh, yeah, it's funny. Well, that's what got me into filming originally because we did have, like, me, me and my friend uh, Matt. Because I know you're a big um, fan of Got Social Do. I know you're a big fan of because, I mean, you're not a big fan of but you know your gore and your, like, old school <laughs> horror and, like, <laughs> yeah. Out. House of a Thousand Corpses, like um, you probably know. Yeah, Rob Zombie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you see him on Rogan? Oh, he's right. excellent. He's a big old corny horror movie fan. He's seen like loads of like the like the old fashioned like gore movie, like the original original gore movies where they're like you know it's um what what are these fake blood again or is it like corn syrup, corn syrup yeah. and uh food coloring food also, color. well that's what we use we use food coloring anyway when we because it made these horror movies the, the correct the the <laughs> yeah because <laughs> yeah, you don't want like because obviously like in like people say like ketchup and that if you've never made a horror film yeah which i did First time I made a horror film. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> With my brother, I made uh, a horror film. And all I had was a webcam. This was when I was really young. And we used ketchup and it stinks. <laughs> it's really horrible to like... It's sticky. <laughs> to do like a uh, cool thing. It's rough and coarse and gets yeah. <laughs> And it can skywalker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, anyway, sorry. Just, I, I completely digressed you on <laughs> the original point. Anyway, so... Um, so uh, 
uh, apart from that, there were like what other kind of like more horror orientated sets have you uh, been on? Because I know you've done a yeah. trailer before, which is on YouTube, which was a, a mock trailer. Was that for an educational piece? Um, yeah, that's actually slightly embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't deleted it. I was, oh, I was, I was, I was getting... sorry. Did you know what no, I was, <laughs> I, I was just getting, I was getting uh, greedy for views, I so I never so deleted it. Cool, I thought it was really funny, but cool at the same time. Is that the hostel one? Yeah. It's basically uh, when I was in college, I made it was actually um, it was a a unit we were doing on sound, so you had to make a film, a horror film that relied on sound. Uh, so what I did, I did like I went in my dad's garage with my friend. <laughs> I've got like props in my neck. <laughs> 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 yeah, 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 yeah. Is it I need more no. seats. My dad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's actually no chair here. I was off with Jack and I'm just squatting this whole time. Like, just, just <laughs> <holding> <laughs> like a serious squat, like I used to do at school. Uh, <laughs> they're like Jackie Chan, like Kung Fu training. You've got like water <laughs> on each shoulder. Like, You're that monster, aren't right? Like monster legs. You're doing Serious. Imagine his thumb. Anyway, yeah. But, uh, yeah, what, what you was that? You want to be ready for the film? Yeah, so it was a sound it was a sound, sound. Yeah, so it's my dad's garage, and he has like this, he has like loads of tools in his garage. Uh, and I tied my friend up to like a chair. No, 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 like we agreed, <laughs> agreed. People are gonna get worried, aren't they? And then um, yeah, we just did this like scene of my brother, and he was like like the, the villain. Do you know what I mean? He yeah. was with, with Michael Myers, with Freddy Krueger. Uh, yeah, we just did like this scene. I used uh, liquid latex because you said about the obviously the corn syrup and food coloring. Yeah. But this was liquid latex, which I don't know if you know it is. Uh, we use it for like makeup, and it's like you paint it on you. I, I don't know how to describe Who's it. Who's the really famous makeup artist directed this? Direct? I mean, the really, there's like a really famous make, and he's he he came from doing um, espionage. People and he had like one of his cases came up for sale recently. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I just wondered if you'd heard of his work and stuff. Anyway, yeah, so he had a makeup latex. Yeah, yeah, so liquid latex. It's basically like we had this scene where like uh, he like pours acids on his arm and it's like, and like the skin comes off. And it's like, you can see it on there. It's got 500,000 views. Yeah, dude. No, yeah, I, anyway. I, it's been the third year since I watched it, <laughs> since 2016. I disabled the lights, like, when I, like, a while ago, it's like, it's like, I think I was just getting greedy. Like, I love the views. Because <laughs> it's not every day because I had 500,000 views. <laughs> even though it was shit. <laughs> so it was like, do you know what I mean? That's really stupid because I'm not even proud of the video. I'm like, I should delete it, but it's like, I kind of like going to see how many views it's got. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Still like, still. Yeah. <laughs> Some of the comments on it, I haven't disabled the comments, and uh, one of the comments was like, I hope you get like rapes, gags. Ah, dude, and and it's like, fuck that person, and get some, yeah, yeah, but then wow. it is like a really like fucked up horror film, so it's like it's obviously gonna like attract. I was gonna say, it should be some people that have maybe tendencies to think in that fashion, right? Yeah. Mm. Oh. Mm. Dark, dark, stuff. yeah, dark, yeah, dark yeah, stuff, yeah. 
But yeah, anyway, uh, do you reckon that you've got any kind of uh, anything coming up in the future that you'd like to work? Are you working on anything at the moment that you want to talk about, or anything? You know, you yeah, yeah. So no, I was saying uh, uh, I'm on a bit of a lull at the moment. Yeah. Like it's not it's not to say that I'm not going to be doing it. Like I do, it's something that I will always do. Yeah. So it's like, um, but yeah, I mean nothing planned. At the moment, I think I've just been so busy because I started a new job at Royal Mail. Yeah. So as I, I've been, I've been working a lot recently. But it's, it's been. I don't. I completely probably changing the subject. But it's like, no, please, no, go, well, go ahead. I, I, grad, I, I graduated from uni, and it's like obviously did film production, like I say. Uh, then I went to back to my job. I was working at Cineworld. Yeah, which was I mean film related free tickets awesome. <laughs> yeah, that'd be <laughs> you know something like you. Yeah, yeah, but it's like um, yeah, and then uh, I wanted to take the degree somewhere, so I applied for a job that was media tutor at High Point Prison. Uh, I don't know if I should say the name actually. It doesn't matter. I don't. I don't think it matters. Okay. You gotta be careful what you're saying. No, 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 no. I wanted to talk about it. No, no, it's not. I mean, not that you wouldn't want to, but I mean, if you can or can't, that's a very important thing because obviously there's, yeah, there's a, a lot of um, uh, personal information and things. Yeah, and with people the, putting two and yeah. two and. Uh, this is the internet. So yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you this is never know crazy people. Oh, so that's where we live. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That that was. Uh, it's cool that you got into education, like educating in terms of like media as well. I suppose because yeah, mean, Dickens or something is just like one of the best ways to learn your to learn your subject is to teach it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. I, I'm doing so in a in prison. I, it's probably not different. I'm, <laughs> I'm, 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 I don't know. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm shooting for the moon, <laughs> landing somewhere in a black hole. But um, uh, yeah, anyway. So uh, what was I saying? Anyway, yeah, educating though in a, a prison. But like in terms of like that, in terms of an actual experience, I mean, you don't have to go into any specific details of individual cases or like names or anything. No, but you know, no, no. Like, in terms of the overall feeling of what that experience was like, though, you know, could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude. So, yeah, I remember my my first week, I did it at another prison, uh, but I was mates with um, someone who does the same job, uh, like, um, like, again, a media tutor. So, yeah, it was... Um, I don't even know what to think about. I think I was just happy to have a job, like mm. at first, because I, I kind of went for a while without having a job, you know, and I, was, I finally yeah. sort of had something that was, you know, related to my degree and everything and all that, yeah, you know. And it's like, um, yeah, no, I went there. I remember going there, and it was like you had to go through all, all the doors, you know, like the locked doors. And if I've never been in the prison. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, not, not on open ones, but in Alcatraz. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, yeah, what was that like? <laughs> oh god, um, yeah, it was um, really cool. Um, uh, they kind of like, they break you out to this um, island, and it's this. Um, it is a very. Um, um, uh, um, 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 oh, what's that? What's that word? Um, menacing, isn't it? Really? <laughs> um, 
it's a very menacing structure um and they have a they have one centralized uh, locking system for all of the uh, inmates prison cells and but obviously they can do individual ones as well and they do lock you in it's like part of your experience when you do go there is they lock you in and they show you how people escape and they genuinely do like have you ever seen that it's called the the birdman of alcatraz or, or the rock uh, or anything like that yeah, I okay. yeah. well, there's loads of um, there's loads of movies that have been uh, made about Alcatraz over the years and um, in one of them they, a, guy, a guy this is actually a, a real thing though somebody made a paper papier-mâché head of themselves and then put it into the sheets and then used extra pillows and stuffing in order to mock the fact that they is this how they escaped yeah that they were yeah. in their own bed they'd already spent the past week or so with a metal spoon or something like hacking their way out the back of the of their own jail cell which had got them into like one of the um the not not the wiring system but like one of the plumbing kind of access ways just on top of one of the pipes and then they crawl out around there um and had manufactured themselves a boat out of like a miniature little raft out of like stuff and then managed to get to the shoreline then and like two other people sure time attention and then yeah well a lot of the that's Based on the Count of Monte Cristo, okay, uh, originally by Dumas, um, uh, which I have not finished reading all of, but that is <clears throat> that is obviously about. Um, I actually mentioned book in the movie as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, we are the book. Oh, I don't know. Count that. of Monte Cristo. <laughs> <laughs> when they're in the library, remember? And he's like, oh, we order, no, he's yeah. like "Where should we file this book?" And he's like, "Oh, we are the part." This. He's like, "Oh, it's about prison break." He's like, "Oh, we should file this under educational as well." <laughs> <laughs> Um, but uh, yeah, it's a really crazy structure, though, and, and a lot of the things as well that used to keep the prisoners in there is the actual waters, uh, because of the fact they're turbulent and the tide is treacherous as all hell. So you, unless you've got a, uh, and I think they might have some gnarly animals around the waters as well, because yeah, but I can't remember too well. Um, but uh, yeah, like so, if you escape, it's, it's even a very poor chance that you're going to survive a swim to the homeland because it's not far. Right from the actual shoreline to uh, to Alcatraz, um, but yeah. Anyway, yeah. So yeah. Anyway, I've, I've kind of no, no, it's cool. I was like saying uh, Ted Bundy. I said I saw that he did the, he did something. He purposely lost weight. I don't know if you've seen the documentary. No, he, he he wasn't eating so he could fit through like this small hole, like hole really? in the top of his cell. Yeah, and that was the second time he escaped as well, because the first one he jumped jumped out the window of the library. Uh, there's an interesting documentary on Netflix about him. He's quite, yeah, he's uh, he's super interesting. He is. Right, in terms of, I think all those individuals are, have a definite interest point to them. There's a, a certain, I would describe it as fucked up tenacity to their mentality. That's that is, it has an appealing nature to any any anybody really. Where you're like, wow, God, that's. They were capable of doing that, but they also, you know, like, they're hard people to contain, yeah. as it were. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, anyway, yes. Yeah, so, uh, let's go back to your experience though, when you were. Um, so, oh, what, yeah, what was yeah, your experience yeah, like though? So, you went through all the doors to get into the facility, yeah. kind of thing, and then what was your kind of uh, experience maybe when you like uh, was there, was there a lot of. Um, uh, was it very negative when you kind of like found your first class, or was it quite reasonably quite positive? There's a lot, a lot of kickback. I think well, it's sort of like nervous energy. It was so it's like normal like, from, from you. From me, yeah. yeah they weren't nervous. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, I felt like I was scary. <laughs> it was like I'm going to go have my uh, 
Well, uh, oh, just a murder teacher. <laughs> so, it's a, oh man, oh, I wore <laughs> it's really bad as well. As well, I wore regrettably white socks and like uh, brown shoes. You know, and I wear them when I sat down. It looked like someone said like, uh, "That's not a good look, man." That looks like Michael Jackson. <laughs> oh, so and I was like, straight away. Yeah, straight away. And it's like, I think at first, like uh, someone said like, "Oh, I, I, they asked how to do something on the computer," and I was like. I don't, I don't actually know, to be honest. I was just being honest. And I said, oh, you're not a very good teacher then. And I, was like, I took it really personally at the time. Yeah. So what I did, like, I, I was a total, I think, six months I did. So it wasn't, like, massively long, so, you know, uh, doing the prison. Uh, but it was long enough, you know, and I learned, I learned a lot from that. Um, but, yeah, by the end of it, I would not have taken that pers- personally. Do you know what I mean? Like, when I first started there, you know, I would take stuff so personally. But towards the end, I just, things just bounced off me. You know what I mean? I, I just, you know, developed uh, a thicker skin. You know, like, thicker skin, definitely. Because it's like, you know, you do you do deal with some, like, shit there. But, like, at the same time, you know, there's some, there's some good people there with good talent. Do you know what I mean? And it, it was kind of nice to apply some of the stuff I've learned and, you know, Teach it to some other people as well. Were you so, able to cool. keep contacting or in any way at all with any good? No, you're not allowed. No, you're not allowed. No, because I had a few of them say like, "Oh, let's hook up and out when I get out," you know. But I'm like, oh, "Come on, man!" Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's not allowed for whatever reason. So, yeah. you know, and like, yeah, there was a guy who was like really like script writing as well, and it's like, do you know what I mean? And it's like, I'd go into the library, he's always sitting in the library. And uh, I'd give him little pointers, you know what I mean, on like how to improve the script and that. And then the next day he would show me the script. Oh, Richard, I've added this, you know. And like, you know, I've added this, I've added that. And I give him something else to work on. And, yeah. you know, it's little stuff like that. So it's like, but I, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't have stayed there because it's like, it's just, it's a, a bit of a toxic environment, you know what I mean? And it's like, yeah. you know, you, if you can avoid it, you're not going to put yourself in that situation are you so it's like and that's why i joined raw now it's like because <laughs> it's like i know it's a massive contrast because we're doing like video and everything and filming. it's not got to do with your route it's literally like, nothing no. <laughs> it's to do with a walking route and not, <laughs> not not that kind of route uh yeah i think i kind of accepted my personality a little bit more and i didn't although like i enjoyed it on certain days every single day like going and teaching, I just I found it mentally draining. Do you know what I mean? So like preparing lessons and everything, and you have some really loud characters now as well, like really loud dominant characters, which you can learn a lot. You yeah. know, from them kind of people, and, that. and how that's to deal with that. Of, uh, I mean, you know, I mean, not like the worst in terms of them, but I mean, <laughs> that's the that's 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 definitely the most difficult student to deal with is a harsh prisoner. Yeah, like that's yeah. got to be the apex of like somebody that doesn't necessarily want to learn or is adverse to the lesson that you're trying to teach them. Mm. I suppose mm. so. To be able to overcome that, you must, you know, that must that must really, as you said, thicken up your skin a lot more. Yeah, well, we learn, yeah, also you learn to kind of uh, speak up as well and body language as well. That's that is so important, stuff like that. How you carry you know, yourself, how you carry people, yourself yeah. in prison, like. Because I remember I had like a meeting with a manager, and like I was saying, like uh, I actually said, you know, what I mean, like confidence can be a bit of an issue for me, and it is. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? I know you had like a self-esteem talk uh, on the previous podcast, haven't you? So I don't want to get into that. That's fine. But, yeah. know, but you're not that person, though. So it's, uh, yeah. <laughs> but it's like, um, it's yeah. Building. Sometimes you kind of have to feel like you're almost broken down in order to be built back up mm. again. I do unfortunately believe in that because that, that happened to me and that was a better serving thing for me is that after school and college, I really got broken down a lot more and then by the start of uni I was I was a blank canvas I could paint whatever picture I wanted you know I could be kind of any version or anything of me that I wanted to be sure man kind of thing. you know conjure up any anything it's adversity isn't it because it's yeah. like if you go if you have the hard time you know it can absolutely break you yes. you know but I think if you, if you do something that takes you out of your comfort zone do something big you can rebuild Yes. Do you know what I mean? I'm so glad I did because it wasn't actually I said the cinema, but what I did, I did another job in between that, uh, which was camera sales, and I got fired from that job. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh. And I got fired. Uh, oh, no, no, a combination of stuff. Oh, well, shit, sales for a start. So it wasn't bad. <laughs> no, <it's> like, <laughs> no, I said I was shit at sales. I wasn't very good. I was very good. <laughs> I wasn't good at sales. I didn't have that skill of um, like getting people to add on stuff because it's like they bear the camera and it's like also yeah, do you want that? Do you want that? And I'm just like, ah, oh, that would annoy me if someone did that to me. Yeah, exactly. So like me doing that to someone else, I didn't want to do that. Do you see what I mean? Like, because like, when I go into a shop. And I want to look, and some of that is kind of loitering in the background, and like you know, they're going to ask you something. <laughs> like, yeah, I just want to look, and I know, you know, some people are similar. That's yeah. why I couldn't get into sales was because because uh, of the whole stigma of like just me being in the brain of the person I'm trying to sell to whilst I'm selling to them. And I'm going, I'm going, shut the fuck up, you know. Like I just let me peruse, <laughs> just let me ask you yeah. a straightforward question. You know, try, stop trying to cross sell me. You know, um, protection insurance and things like that that I don't need, or you know, amenities. And, mm. you know, I came in for this specific one kind of camera, and you're offering me a tripod and a lens cover and three different lenses that I don't want, and blah blah blah. You know, which yeah. is going to cost me, you know. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And I realised that I'm making a saving overall in that, but I just don't need that right now. You know, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's that if you because if you don't like doing that, then like, don't do I it. think then don't do it. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Like, do you see what I mean? Like, obviously. You don't want to do that. Um, I read an interesting book actually. Uh, Surrounded by idiots. Have you have you have you read I've that? that uh, it's quite good. It's basically it's uh, four personality types, uh, which are is related to sales because uh, obviously like sales is obviously part of knowing the person who you're selling to, um, and it's basically blue, green, red, and yellow are like the four key personality tri- like types. Yeah. And it's like, I don't, I don't know exactly I'm going to like, uh, hopefully I'm getting these right. <laughs> but uh, so red is kind of like someone who could be typically like CEO. You know, they're quite dominant. Yeah. Uh, they're kind of, yeah, they'll be like, uh, yeah, like a boss of the company, like say CEO. Uh, green is someone who's uh, quite agreeable. If they make a cup of tea, they'll kind of make it for everyone. Yeah. So they're, they're more concerned with kind of getting on with people collectively. Uh, yellow is the, the joker, so they're kind of they 
they're like red, they're confident, you know, and they're, they're joking. They don't take things right as seriously, you know, mate. Yeah. And then blue, blue is uh, a quieter, introverted, but they like to be organized. They have like everything organized. Yeah. So they're like a four man personality. You can have a bit of both. Uh, it doesn't have to just be one. You can have a bit of both. Mm. Uh, but yeah, anyway, this book was talking about sales. It says like a lot of typical salespeople are red personalities, yeah. you know, uh, as you might imagine. But then it was. had a decline immediately in life, like a lot of people like that, I think. Mm. Like they immediately want to go, like, right, I need to. I need to start getting a career going. Okay, right. They know what they want. Yeah. They know what they want. Okay, right. Oh, this person's offering a job and they're actually offering pay. The side of that is the fact that I have to do, in order to get that pay or uh, that extra pay, I have to do these few things and then I receive that. And if I do these things extra, then I receive that. Okay. I'm a really hardworking person. I reckon I can outwork everybody else. And then they turn up and they do that with the, you know, mental promise of, you know, of those amenities. And yeah, then, you know, like, uh, and I think that's that is a lot of the, those people that do hunt for that job. So I, I you know, I absolutely, absolutely do see that as well. Yeah, yeah, man. And that's like, um, yeah, and he was, yeah, like a red person. Yeah, he was telling a story about um, uh, his friend was a red personality, and they worked together. And uh, there was basically like a road they used to go down to commute to work, and uh, like. He, what he did was he went on in the bus lane <laughs> because uh, and, uh, he said to his friend, uh, like, you shouldn't be going down the bus lane, do you know what I mean? But because of, like, his personality, he would rather get there quicker and kind of have the consequences and have a risk because it's more important to, like, do the job and have the consequence of it than it is to play it safe. I had that so, once in the form. I'd, um, uh, I, was, I was sitting doing some work and I, um, I, need, I, I was behind on my work and I needed to get it done. And if I didn't get it done, then I was going to fail this module or subject or whatever. And uh, my head of was like, oh, well, you need to be out on the field doing your lesson. And this is not your lesson you need to go out right now. And I was like, oh, I, I don't have time. And I just kind of fobbed him off. And he kind of was about to walk out of the room. And he's like, you're not moving. So he's like, well, you've got to go and do a lesson. I've said, please go now. That sort of thing. And I was like, I can't go because if I go, then I can't do this and get it finished up. And he was like, if you don't go, then I'll put you in detention. And I was like, I was like, if I stay here, can I accept my detention and still finish it? <laughs> Because I'd rather yeah. have a detention and pass yeah. than go to sports and fail, sort of thing. Yeah. And I just remember yeah. he was like, <laughs> I didn't know what to say. Oh, <laughs> yeah, sort of thing. And, uh, yeah. So, so, so he was like, oh, I'm, I'm pretty sure he put me into, into detention. So I was like, okay. Well, yeah, yeah. But I finished the thing oh. and passed it though. So <laughs> yeah. My logic right now. I was like, you know, like, well, you're going to be in trouble. How much trouble? Because <laughs> I can take a lot of trouble. Yeah, exactly. yeah. How, you know, let me measure this up against how badly I want <laughs> the thing that I. You know, how much do I have to? <laughs> give me a list of things I have to suffer in order to succeed. You would so, not even know what to say as a exactly, teacher. You just end up going right. I've suffered that. What's next to suffer? And eventually, you get a chocolate bar, and you're like, ah, I won. It was worth it. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what would you even say as a teacher, like? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But that was my mentality. Do you want to talk about music? No, no. Hey, here, man. Oh, God, <laughs> you're the one, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. Sorry for my lack of enthusiasm. <laughs> uh, you have 
played a Stradivarius, have you not? The lucky thing was though is that I'm uh, I met a guy on a train once though who said he had played three no two Stradivariuses in his life. He was a music tutor that was heading to Chichester University, like to Fuck teach music. Was he? Yeah, and I didn't meet him. And he knew um, this was after uni, so this was in like 2018. I met this guy on a train. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, I mean, he had two with him. No, 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 what are they call him? Yeah, he's got um, <laughs> the bombs. Yeah, he's got um, like. Uh, <laughs> 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 I did hear a story about someone left to on a on the taxi once. But how would you do that? Is it Nigel Kennedy? Like, I don't know. Because I think he does play a Stradivarius. Yeah, he does. He's a Bowman plays a Stradivarius. Sorry. But he, he's at Pullman, like, he's yeah. a violinist or Schindler's List. Yeah. Yeah. John Williams actually wrote Schindler's List for he's at Pullman. Exactly. It's, you know, it's that really emotional. Cool. But he was saying that, he was telling the story, there's a really cool YouTube video, and he basically says that, uh, I think it's his friend had a Stradivarius, and he's at Pullman, played it, and he says in the first three seconds, you know, or something like, but when he played it straight away, he realised like he wanted that violin, mm. you know, like it sounded so amazing. Yeah. Uh, and he basically said to his friends that if you ever sell this, let me know first. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, what happened is he's our problem and his wife, they bought a house. She's a musician as well, isn't she? Is she uh, I don't know. A cellist? I don't know, man. Isn't she? That'd be cool if she was. That's really cool to And Carmen was is that Carmen? Because it was uh, it's a Carmen, and then two other people were part of a very famous music troupe back in the sixties or seventies, I think. I don't know, man. They, yeah, know. They, uh, maybe maybe I think the seventies, and they played uh, one of the um, oh, how would uh, one call this? Uh, they played the. Um, one of the definitive recordings of um, Schubert's The Trout, which is one of my personal favourite pieces of music. But obviously, because of the fact that it can be played by a, a, a pianist, a cello, and a violin. And it's funny as well because the, the baritone sections of the cello, uh, so the bass sections of the cello, so the bass sections of the violin, you think, like, oh, that's a violinist. <clears throat> you know, it's already switched over to the cellos. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful, like mental. Mental gymnastics is like cooler, and you're like, oh, incredible. <laughs> sure. um, anyway, yeah, so, uh, so um, uh, it's, it's a problem, though. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and his wife. Yeah, so they uh, had to basically they just got a mortgage uh, for the violin. Sorry, no. <laughs> Oh, that one story. <laughs> so, Isaac so, saw somebody. Well, he was talking to the guy with the violin, and, yeah. he, and he said, "If you ever end up selling this, let me know." Yeah. So, basically, what happened is him and his wife they bought a house, uh, and literally after they bought a house, his friend was selling a violin, but they couldn't afford it because they just oh. bought this house. So they had to get get out another mortgage. Just to get a violin. Wow. Yeah, yeah, which would be I mean millions, but it's yeah. like it's an investment, obviously. Naturally, yeah. There was, that's never gonna lose its value though, isn't it? There was a billionaire that bought a Stradivarius, which I, I, 
this is maybe controversial, yeah. but it's like, I think there's only a limited match to Oliverius is, and I feel like someone who should play it, who can play it very well. Do you know what I mean? I think... It's like, this guy can bear it because he can afford it, which is cool. You know, capitalism. <laughs> yeah. Do what you want. I, but it's like, I'm so it seems always... I'm so glad you brought this up because I feel very strongly about this and I feel the same, I think pretty much the same way as you do because mm-hmm. there is something in the... Con- I, I mean, there must be... I know, honestly, I really don't know, but I know that in terms of the... Because I was watching a really good documentary once on Stradivarius and the uh, build order and the fact that the whole... The, the mystique of it as a musical instrument is the fact that the build order for it, how they are created, was all lost. We do not know how to... To, to do the the woodworking in a certain way that it then replicates what a Stradivarius is, um, and uh, he uh, the guy was saying like, okay right these are the Stradivarius like this is the largest collection of Stradivariuses that we have that are in a private collection and they're in like their special like X Men looking glass cases you know which are you know round and you know like that yeah and um, uh, all of them are that they use. Um, uh, some of them still have like animal intestine strings on them. Like, uh, uh, is, is it cow? Cow strings or something? I don't know. I don't know. Something I, I need to look into more. There was some. There's something to do with the name of the string. It's probably a secret, it's, isn't it? It's, it's called like, black sauce. I think they call it heart strings or something, but they're not actually heart strings. It's the actual name of the string that's made or something like that. But but, but it's placed onto the strap. But it's placed onto the. Well, I think violin. the strings are separate thing. Is like. Do you know what I mean? Like that, that wouldn't be made with a Stradivarius, I don't think. No, 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 buy, no, no, like, no, no. I mean, but when they're placed onto it, they've got to have a certain name. So I was, oh. I was just ripping there or not. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah. So this guy, though, who was an absolute world authority in Stradivarius, they were saying that apparently they need to be played. There's something to do with the uh, with how the instrument, in terms of its age and why, what happens to it in terms of the warping and the degrading, yeah. is that it requires somebody has to. So they hire people, especially classically trained um, uh, violin players, and they get them yeah. out in order to play the instrument. So they'll get them out and they have to sit in a private yeah. room and play something <laughs> on them. It's like an engine because if like if an engine isn't you know yeah. um, fired up and it's not getting greased and oiled, is it? It's yeah. seizing up. You like, know, so it's like, like they have to get somebody into play to use all these old ass locomotives yeah. you see sitting in <laughs> museums. They have to be what? Yeah, as they rust. And... I saw a video of them starting an old Panzer engine up, and it's like it hadn't been started in years. There's one of a Spitfire as well, and it hasn't been started. I think it's like 18 years. I haven't got this Spitfire engine going, yeah. and it's like they fire it. It takes like quite a while. They have to turn it over a few times, yeah. like, and then like suddenly, the cycle, the engine, yeah, the and then suddenly those pistons just like a <laughs> <laughs> and the flame comes out like that. And you're like, and it's kind of there's a bit of a moment. You're like, yeah. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> and there's like silence. Yeah, and just goes, that is an amazing noise you know that burning just like roars it's incredible it's like it's something surprisingly emotional about it isn't it it's like what I was saying about like my my dad took his uh, took my his mother my grandmother's car out for a spin once uh, you went up there have you finished that no, you, no, no, I still got a beer, man. Um, but yeah, he was saying, um, so he borrowed his uh, his mother, my grandmother's car, and uh, uh, she hadn't driven it in like a few uh, like weeks, maybe in a month or something like that. And he took it out and, and driv- drove it fast, just 
through chance in areas where he, was, where he was allowed to drive it at these speeds, drove it up to the absolute limits of the speed limit and rang its neck out. And, and he was like, oh, that's a bit sluggish and delivered back to it. And she got in it the following week and was like, John, it's handling better than really? it has ever handled before. Yeah, because apparently there's something to do with how you cycle the engine through, that it, it, get, it, it gets all of the... <clears throat> lubricants and that shit. yeah it gets yeah. everything that's not meant to be in there it makes sense it. Yeah. yeah it makes sense it clears the oil yeah. it's like blowing your nose yeah yeah <laughs> so that few seconds after you've blown your nose you know and you've got a cold like, yeah oh, I can breathe through my nose <laughs> like, wow. yeah 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 but going back to Stradivarius's though like the um uh it's um uh, the fact that some, you know, oligarchs or people collect them and then do not allow them to come into public sight, I think is a, I think is a travesty. I think that's really bad. Um, there was a, um, you have a, you know, Fabergé, like Fabergé air collection. And no. Whatnot. Um, so Fabergé is, um, uh, is a, uh, uh, during the late late era of the uh, czar, the czarina of Russia, um, they uh, there was a very famous, uh, beautiful, ornate embossed egg maker um, who used to use a special um, uh, a special form of um, uh, oh God, uh, metal work and uh, uh, all sorts. Of, oh God, I can't remember what it's called. There's a special name for it that what he used to use, which is now lost. You can't do it on anything, and it, it was a it was like a ripple effect that he used to do um, to the actual metal itself in his factory. And he had hundreds of people, right. and loads of he he taught the secret to like five people, and then those people would go and <coughs> do that particular part of the egg, and then would give it on to other people. And the eggs were made out of very rare material, like gold and tons of platinum and right. silver and, very, and it was during uh, the times of um, the post-Prussian war and um, all of that and uh, we're talking like pre-Gabriel Prinkip and like you know Tsar Nicholas II being yeah. trapped here um, uh, and uh, he used to make eggs that were themed uh, for uh, royal weddings or uh, he even, even made one so when the when the princess had a um, had a baby, he made one which had a. It was a, the egg opened up and it was ornate, beautiful egg, and it opened up and it had this little carriage on the inside, and inside the carriage was an even smaller carriage. Yeah, and they nice. had working wheels which were made out of pure gold, and um, and then was he had like hand painted the inside, like the interior of the carriage, and then had like forged it on to so, like the rest of the actual carriage itself so that it moved it was but you look at it and you go wow yeah the hours and it was you know huge factories the size of the size of almost a rope making factory you know that's how yeah. big those are yeah, yeah, yeah like yeah, something yeah. that size just to produce these beautiful tiny legs that yeah were, like some of that some of them were like uh, were like the size of my fist and um uh when when he died the methodology for making that was lost and this uh, this uh, Russian oligarch, all the eggs were there. Was a, there used to be a record of all of them, and some of them are still lost to this day. It's like three or four of them which are either lost or they know who the collectors are, but the collectors refuse to say they own them. Right? But they know the people that <laughs> the people that know yeah. Fabergé know that these people have these eggs, and there's no way that they don't have them. So um, uh, this one Russian oligarch bought all the eggs that he could 
get like billionaire. I'm talking like one of the richest men in the yeah. whole of Russia, maybe in the world. Uh, bought something like ninety percent of all the eggs um, that they made and uh, kept them into a collection, uh, put them into one big collection, and then opened it up for free for the general public just so that everybody could join. Like yeah, and that was such an inspiring tale to me because I was like, if more people did that for rare, beautiful things like things like Stradivarius or things like um like the uh, Gibson California collection, yeah. like you know the Gibson Les Paul, the classic one, you know one of the ones that Jimmy Page has and Slash plays it on Sweet Child yeah. of Mine and a bit. Like you know, you know, like if somebody, I, I wouldn't feel the worst. But as long as they allow people, you know, somebody to come in sure. once a year minimum and bring <laughs> the fucking things next, just to make sure they're purred correctly on the speaker. Like, I think it's time. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's, that's the reason why these things don't happen quite as much anymore. Like um, you have, because people are in a rush to do stuff, and that's yeah. why, like Alan Watts' uh, philosophy. Uh, and he basically, he talks about Chinese embroidery. How like they used to, you know, like they make these embroidery like little purses, I think it was. And uh, the way they would make it was so you could see the pattern on the front and then you could see the same pattern on the back. But uh, what people do now, they create shortcuts and they kind of, instead of doing it on the back the same as the front, they kind of do it so it's like, you know, bits here and there to create a shortcut. Mm. You know, just to just to get it done to sell to make sales. Mm. Obviously, you know, because money's more valuable than more the item is now. You heard of Steifbears? No, what's oh. Steifbears. Steifbears. Is that German? Yeah, and that was another one that was I can't remember when those things were made, but Steifbears are a very particular antique antiquity. Yeah, one, and they were. A bit, sought after bears and they were like a, you know build a bear nowadays yeah imagine the old, <laughs> old version of that but these things were like bespoke as hell and uh basically every tea every um somebody's gonna come and correct me on this <laughs> wonderfully and please do for the love of god because i'm <laughs> talking out my ass here but the general gist of these bears well though is that um, every 10 or 100 that they made, the seam was on the opposite side of the body. So the seam was normally on the back of the bear. Um, uh, no, so it was normally on the front, I think, of the bear. So that when the child hugged it, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't feel the seam. Okay. And then every 100 or 10 bears or something like that, the seam would be on the back. Right. And loads of them were lost and destroyed over the years or what have you, and but they, they all have little embossed dive bits on either the feet or the ears or yeah. like that, or in the fur, just sewn in, so you know exactly which one it is, and if you find one, they're worth like a minimum 10 grand. Really? Yeah, they're insane oh, yeah, 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 yeah. things, because they just fell to pieces, but they were so loved, they were just like this absolute loved bear. Yeah, like bears are a huge thing. Like <laughs> if you do not think little toy bears are a thing, <laughs> you have no fucking clue what you're talking about. Like, Jesus Christ. All my siblings have got a bear. Can you, <laughs> like, can you, can you put a price on, on children's toy markets? You know, like, it's a you know, permanently fluctuating thing. And the bespoke market for that is even more insane. Imagine what, you know, a, a parent with a multi billion dollar fortune would, you know, is willing to pay for, a, you know, their newborn. Something yeah, like, yeah. You know, you will have a Steiff man, you know, sort of thing. <laughs> That's like a uh, Turbo Man, isn't it? <laughs> oh, yeah. Keep it away. Because they want a Turbo Man. <laughs> and they're like, I'm going to get Jamie a Turbo Man. Give me that Turbo Man. Excuse my gadget shit, aren't we? Impression. 
But um, but yeah, like every you know, it's it's the, the it's so strange here that human beings have that that link. And then again, if you if you have your selfish life there, it needs to be taken. And and as much as you may love it or hate it, mm. you need to clean it. Yeah, it ne- and you yeah. need to take it to a special person who knows exactly how to clean it. And yeah. if they don't clean it, then it falls to pieces. It's dilapidated, and then you lost not only your money but any enjoyment that your son or daughter will have in that particular thing as well. Which is the same thing for strawberries, and the same thing for fucking uh, well, a little bit more different from Fabergé because they're not meant to be played. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. but at the same time, they're also meant to be kept in a certain sealed cabinet under certain conditions because you can't allow oxygen you know can't allow oxidization or anything like that you know right? so um I, I love this this is one of my favorite <laughs> conversations to have sure. about the uh limited edition versus quantity versus quality production yeah kind of thing you know like is, <laughs> is you know is less more kind of thing yeah I, I love the the careful balance that we <clears throat> the equilibriums we find within production i think this is such a beautiful thing and it's one of the cool things about humanity is that we have these yardsticks all over the place in everything that we do and that is fucking brilliant. like albums final albums when you have um um you know like oh god uh, when chess records made this one particular made the first press they also did a mock demo press which had the chess record symbol outside the box and they printed a hundred of these, you know, sort of <laughs> things, you know, and then people are aware of this and go crazy for it. And they're like, if you got a limited edition or pre CBS bases, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. you know, because the wood is different, so it's a load lighter. And then when you get to the <laughs> 70s, they start using swamp wood and things like that, which make it loads more heavier. Yeah, 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 you know, like, what's your um, if you could own any musical instrument, what would you own? Um, <laughs> oh god. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I guess that like depends if it's like financial value, isn't it? Yeah. I think so. If you, if I mean, somebody said like, right, you've got absolute like uh, carte blanche on something, and you don't sell it, you're not allowed to sell it the moment you own it. Yeah, yeah. Like, so I would say it's kind of love. Yeah, because I think violin's the the main instrument that I can like actually put pick up music and play. Because I, I know guitarist those I I can't read music on a guitar. I mean, I, I can I can read some chords. I can do a bit of tab. I learned the first song I learned on tab was um, "Snow Hey Hey." <laughs> Snow. Red Hot Chili Because yeah, one of my friends bought bought uh, a Stadium Arcadium tab book when I was younger. But I would I would take Australiarius. Yeah, like guitars, obviously, really tempting. Because the thing is with guitars, like there's so many different variations of what you can get. Because it's quite a playful instrument you know like there's so much customizations you can do so many different shapes but like violins uh, up to the untrained eye like people wouldn't be able to they'd all look the same yeah, stradivarius okay. you know a cheaper violin and, and to, to me they do. to me all violins look the same unless, so do me. <laughs> unless it's a contemporary one and then even then i go like yeah but it's like they've, they've got to produce Almost the same sound, and then almost, um, yeah, like yeah, you know, almost the same sound. I mean, it could be paying thousands more, tens of thousands more for a slight difference. My so I always feel it was like flipping Harry Potter when they when he tries for wand. And uh, <laughs> I was like, <laughs> 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 Ollivander, Ollivander's a wand shop. 
But it's not that. I, I completely know exactly what you mean that because that's you know, when, <laughs> when I get a bass, I go, I go right. This is a cutlass J bass, and then uh, mm-hmm. you know, like, and I'm like, okay, there's another cutlass J bass, and the bloke in the shop be like, those are exactly the same bases, <laughs> and I'll go, I'll go, they're not the fucking same. Yeah. Bass. Like, trust me, even if you can, even if you have the same millimeter action, on yeah, the, yeah, uh, yeah, you know, like between on the strings, and like, even if you have, um, you know, like even if. Like, Tune <laughs> the same, and even if that thing's exactly the same string, <laughs> even, even then, there yeah. was ever so slight differences on the fact Literally. that that yeah. one has a 0.0000 difference, and even if it's made from carbon fiber, yeah. it has a 0.0001 difference in the carbon fiber structure, which you wouldn't hear if if you're 90 percent of the population. And the other thing as well is that it's the same thing with wood. It's not the same part of the fucking mm. tree. Even if it's the trunk, it still doesn't have the same ring configuration. But people will pay it still because yeah. even for that slight difference, I'm one of those better. Yeah, I'm that person. But I, you've, I, you've got to a point where you you know what you like in an instrument. I know the because when I yeah, when you when you start, you don't know the difference. Yeah, do you know what I mean? You could give a new violinist a Stradivarius and a and a cheaper violin, and it's like no can tell the difference. But it still is a musician. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because it doesn't matter what violin you own. You know, you can still become good on a cheaper violin. You know, so that's you know, the I mean, cool that's, and that's cool. But that's what you know yeah, what I mean. It gives people the ability to have the have the same mentality. I think though is that we both love that thing where if yeah. you gave Nigel Kennedy <laughs> the cheapest shittest violin, <laughs> he'll be able to play. Do we could sing? Knock out. Exactly. Knock out. Sing the other. Exactly. And it wouldn't matter, but he, yeah. you know, and he would because <laughs> it's like ingredients in, in food, you know, like would you prefer mm-hmm. real expensive ingredients or would you be able to do anything you want yeah. with shit ingredients? Yeah. You know, like you can turn beans on toast or like some <laughs> course meal or something. <laughs> hey man, <laughs> I remember buying my first violin. I remember buying it. It was sorry, not my first violin. My first violin was it was like not donated, but it was when I just started. It's just when I just started, and like it was like a half size because you have like full size violins when you get obviously bigger. It's like when you get shoes when you're a kid, and when you start off violin, you have like a half size violin, which to me now would be flipping tiny. Your yeah. hand would be like there. <laughs> um, yeah, and then basically, what we got this thing in my family. Because uh, my sister and brother play the violin, and my mum said that basically we said that when you get to grade seven, um, then you get treated to like a violin. Do you know what I mean? Hmm. Which is, which was, but you, you sort of had to get there. Do you know what I mean? It's like, well, like as part. Of, wait, wait. So the school bought it for you, or the tutoring bought it for you. How, how, how did you get it? Um, no, no, my uh, my parents would buy it. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> oh, that's fine. I don't know why I feel like, do you know what I mean? Because it's both like, it, it's a treat. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Because it's like, you have to work to get it. It's not like you just, Did I get you a, just give I it got, like, I got a treat to... when, I, when I graduated from uni. Yeah, we'd have to practice. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You'd have to practice a violin to, to be able to, do you know what I mean? To get there. And it's like, yeah, when you get to grade seven, you're essentially, you know, we'll, we'll treat to a new violin. Yeah, but before then it was kind of it was a you got to get good on this one. Yeah, exactly. So you have to earn it. Do you know what I mean? It's okay. not a handout. No, I think that's, and, I think that's um, a really good message. That yeah, and that was um that was in Woodbridge. That was like a dealership, and uh, I think he we we had like a budget, and then he got three violins out, 
and uh, I kind of like yeah, <laughs> literally, <laughs> is. and it's like, and then the room lit up. <laughs> and I played the first one, and I played <laughs> the... <laughs> no, definitely not. Yeah, and I played the second one, and the plant fell off. The guy, you know, the guy <laughs> turned around, it's actually Olivan, like, it's actually John Hurt, just hand me violence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah, that was that was three, it. Is it is three in front of you, though? Yeah, so, what, what, was the, what was the Please, if you can go much detail as possible. Not the... Because <laughs> I know I love, like, the end. I think I just went purely on intuition. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't remember all the different violins then, but I think it was just... But what like, your intuition that maybe set them apart is then you can remember... I remember the strings being quite close together, which yeah. is like, it's quite easy to play technical stuff, which I think... Which I guess you know from guitar as well. Less, less distance of movement, economy of movement. Or... Well, not, not even just for strings, like you've just been able to play stuff easier on different instruments. Mm. Do you see what I mean? Like, if you try a different instruments, so yeah, I think so. Like, I just I kind of like meant from like a technical perspective. So, like, you know, is there like a, a, a less distance kind of like in terms of like where your fingers have to move? Do you, do yeah. your, do your hands prefer that if that makes sense? Yeah, you know, like again, it was just, yeah, just one of those things because <laughs> that's me with action. The, the further away the strings are from the fretboard, for me, the worse because mm. it means that's more work for me. I, I don't, I, and I don't see like I, I just get more of an empty kind of uh, not empty, but a more of a cavernous sound when you the moment you lift the strings further away from the fretboard. It's just more of a cavernous sound. That's all it is. So I much prefer a lot more of a brighter, easier. You know, I've just got to tap it. And I can make that note, which means that it yeah. increases my speed. And you know, yeah, and you just enjoy playing it as well. Like, yeah. that's, that's the important thing, isn't it? At the end of the day, absolutely. You know, you love playing it. You not know, you want to pick it up and enjoy it. Yeah. So, yeah, you look forward to it all the time. When you're not playing, you want to playing it, and whilst you're playing it, you don't want to put it down. Like that's the, yeah. the dream of it. It's fucking cool. <laughs> Um, can I um, uh, refresh your beverage, my friend? We are nearly running upon the rocks here. Um, we just hit an hour, by the way. Just, uh, just oh, like, really? Yeah, absolutely. Mate. How are you feeling? <laughs> so that's what an hour talking looks like. Yeah, mate. I'm not. <laughs> 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 that is introversion. <interesting. laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I'm actually really enjoying it. Producer, white flag. No, I'm seriously enjoying it. Yeah, dude, this is yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. no, I've not been podcast. I was doing another podcast. Yeah, I was a bit, I was a bit, you know, what I mean, apprehensive at first because I'm like, like I say, I'm like normally behind the camera, but you know, it's actually, yeah, it's quite enjoyable. Well, I don't think I would have done this a couple of years ago, though. Do you know what I mean? I yeah. just think it's like just a like, confidence thing. Huh? Maybe I just got way more confident. Maybe your prison tutoring has. Is that you stop? You don't get that social fear as much when you you don't worry about someone saying something that's going to offend you. Yeah, that's you, that's what that's what helped me massively. Is it kind of like you know somebody's going to say something? You're almost daring them to say it, so you do it anyway because you're like, I want to do this and I need to do this, so I'm going to do this regardless of what you say. Like, if you know what I mean. Not entirely. So it's kind of like expecting the punishment, but you do, but you want to do the thing, you need to do the thing. You're kind of like, right. you know, like it's like having the kid in the back of the class that's going to, like, you know, you're imagining they're going to go, like, they're going to say some snotty comments, <laughs> but you're like, me to do it anyway. Courage. You're on day one hundred, and they've said some. Mm. So said they said something once every single day. So you're like, well, I'm ready now. Go ahead. 
like that yeah. sort of feeling. I think, yeah, when you get to that point, you, do you know what I mean? It radiates a lot more. And it's kind of like, I felt, I felt like, I found that in prison. Do you know what I mean? At first, like, I was, I was like a bit more timid. Do you know what I mean? Like, I was really, really timid when I started. And it's like, and then you just, you, you learn to assert yourself more in that. And it's like, it's, it's do you know what I mean? It's so important. Yeah. Right. But then, then there's, um, there's a fine line of doing that as well. Do you know yeah, what I mean? You, absolutely. You, you, know, you don't want to be like over <laughs> a certain. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's, that's ego. Yeah, yeah absolutely. That's different. Yeah, you know what I mean? That's yeah, ego. Yeah, you tame your ego. Fuck yeah. Everyone has ego, obviously. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Ego survival at the end of the day. Ego survival. It's just, it's adapted in a really weird way, isn't it? For like, you know, it's like like society. Yeah. 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 Like it's, it's really strange ego now. Like, yeah, but yeah, everyone has it, like I said. And I think, like, when working in the prison, like, like I did have to have my ego under control. Do you know what I mean? Because I, you, you know, you, you, you can have. I, I didn't want to do that thing where I sort of like really. I, I don't know. Right? I don't know. You just. Well, I, w- I wouldn't say. I, the only reason I wanted to interject then was just to say that I don't think you have. An enormous ego. I think you're an inc- I've said it twice today already since I've seen you for the first time in ten months, dude. Like you really, are, you're a very modest person. Like you, you know, you definitely are a human <laughs> being that has that ego under, you know, check. Absolutely. I think, like, yeah, I, do, I just find it like I personally find it a bit, you know, like cringy when it's like over egotistical. Do you know what I mean? It's like. You don't want to be it's that a big guy. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, it's just like, at the end of the day, like, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, bring it down on the podcast, but it's like, you're going to die. <laughs> <laughs> the sun's going to blow up. Do you know what I mean? Like, you're not that important. And it's like, you're not not important. You're not not important. <laughs> but, you're not that <laughs> yeah but also the sun's gonna blow up like you're made out of atoms you are the universe that's that's my <laughs> thing uh, is that like i i wake up every day because like, i i do lots with my day even if i sleep and i today i slept until one o'clock uh, the one o'clock because oh, i'm up until nice. 5 30 in the morning so uni all over again. Cocoon, anyway. really it was <laughs> amazing <laughs> I mean, how good it was how good was it? Fucking amazing, Richard. <laughs> That's a so good game. Good. Let me talk about twenty minutes for how good my relicus took. <laughs> like, but it, it it was sensational. Hmm. Um, and I I because I, I've done that so often, but I hadn't done it in ages because I don't normally in for a long time. I haven't indulged in that much self indulgence because of the fact that I normally do things that either improve upon my mindset or my skill set or. Are working on a skill set that I, that I already possess a little bit of because I'm aware like I, I like to think I'm aware of what good is and and for that reason I punish myself loads because I'm like oh, I, I, I wake up and it's a combination of like right I gotta get up and I gotta be fucking born ready I gotta kick today's ass and I've gotta do like at least something today so then today I go right I'm gonna at least do these ten things today and I do five mm. but then I I don't know, because I, I hate that thing, you know, it's like comparison is a thief of joy type thing, you know. Like, you should never really compare yourself to other people, but then, you know, how many, 
you know, like the, the, the crazy thing is that when you meet a lot of the people and you say, like, you know, what did you do today? And they're like, oh, I, just, I woke up, I had a bowl of cereal, and then I, like, I watched cartoons, and then I went to bed, you know, sort of thing. Right. And like, but that was my, that used to be my day so often in life as well. So as a result of that, I then fight against that. That is my dream sure. day. I have that yeah. once every two months is I have a day when I wake up and I have mm. the bliss of being able to do fuck all. I can do nothing. And it's heaven. <laughs> like otherwise normally I'll wake up and like I'll set up a pot, I'll set up a podcast <laughs> and I'll bake a loaf of it's bread crazy. and yeah. like and I've already done some, you know, music skills. But then if it wasn't for those people, you you wouldn't know how interesting <laughs> you're doing because <laughs> you wouldn't have anything to compare to. <laughs> that's why you need those people. Yeah. Well, that's literally the one most important thing in life. <laughs> I, 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 I wake up though and I think one day I'm going to be dead. Yeah. One day literally. I'm going to be dead and, and that's that, it. Like, sort of thing. And I'm like, it's my job to make as much of a nuisance of myself yeah. as I possibly can, which means if I've got to do it, I might as well do it to the best of my ability, which means. I better start fucking learning, you know. Like I better start actually applying myself. What was school for in the first place? It was just to mm. even to try and <laughs> like, uh, you know, get your ideas, you know, mm. formulated and under control. And <clears throat> and the social side of it is actually, you know, it, it can play as big or as small much of a role as you actually want it to. The problem is the amount that you divulge, the amount, the amount that you delve into it is the amount that you kind of end up getting out if you're a very sociable person and you make yourself a very sociable person then you end up having quite a few social obligations a lot more people want to talk to you and a lot more people will talk to you but if a lot less people talk to you then it also sometimes frees up your time to do other things but then you're also a little bit more lonely as well you, you know you have that less people messaging sure. you you know, it's, it's, it's almost like a decision, isn't it? It's like, do you know what I mean? It's like, because <laughs> you're like, oh, yeah, it's, it's the butterfly effect. Every small decision, every small thing that you do, going up, and yeah, saying that thing to that person affects their life, <laughs> it affects your life. Literally, I, I, I think I think about it a lot. I think about, uh, <laughs> I, like, <laughs> I like Afterlife, that's a good show because that's, I think Ricky Dray is, is really intelligent. And I love that philosophical kind of thing. He's like, in the show, he's like, you know, that... Because in the end, he, well, I don't, I don't want to spoil it, actually, but, like, the show, he's obviously really cynical, isn't he? Like, first season, he's a proper, you know, just down guy. He wants to kill himself. He constantly talks about suicide and that. And it's like... And basically, like, the, the, what he says is, is, like, what's the point of uh, being nice when you can be nasty do you know yeah. what i mean because i i listen to podcasts and everything i listen to you know read quotes and everything and like you know being a good person and all that and all this you know and it's like and then though, there's that question why do you know yeah. what i mean why? like i think that question why why be good to people yeah do you know what i mean like why what's your what, what do you think like oh um oh, because you never know where that positive uh, act, um, that positive little jewel nugget of something that you made an effort with. You never know where that's going to make a positive effect. Mm. Like, because the other thing as well is that I remember days when I've been down and like, like really down. I'm, doing, sure. I'm talking like when you're sitting there and you're like, I don't <laughs> care anymore. Like, yeah. I just, I don't. I have tried to find my reason of studying, of believing. 
and I can't, and I, you know, sort of blah, 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 small violin, miniature strap. <laughs> and somebody goes up to you and they're like, hi, how are you? And you're like, and you ask them, honestly, you get, there's no bullshit, there's no, I'm forcing myself to try and be optimistic in the situation. You genuinely just let loose and you say, oh, you know those times when you just don't, yeah, you just want to get you. It's it's almost like you want to give up, but you don't want to give up on life. You just want to give up on everything you want to do. You want to put you. You're sick of spinning plates. You want to stop all the plates. You want to stop everything that's moving. That's in current. You know. You want to stop every logistical transaction in your life. I want to cancel all my cards. I want to sell my fucking house. I want to move to a, mm. a tenth. I want to do min. I want to do minimize every single form of my existence just so. Mm. You know, it's like that saying from Fight Club, you know, when he says, like, you know, it is only after we lose everything that we are free to do anything, you know. Um, and and it's that one person going, and, and then after you've said that, it puts it all into perspective. And you go, I can do that. But I'm so grateful, though, of how far I've come because of the fact that it's very easy for me to do that. It's very easy for me to put everything away and sure. cancel yeah. all of this and blah 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 blah. But it's really hard. My, <clears throat> what do you think of a top top? Sorry, I mean, I'll just, just yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Nah. Um, somebody once, somebody very wise once said to me, I uh, walking past a, um, a some poor, God, it's terrible. I still remember it now, but walking past some like, oh, like um, we're in Prague and we walk past this homeless person and in Prague they beg a different way they beg they don't they don't look at your face they get they're on their knees and they walk and, and they don't walk they, they sit like that in the snow right and then they're on their knees on a little carpet in the snow with their hands up like that they just look down with their head on the floor on the last bit of carpet looking waiting for money to drop into their hands and somebody said to me, it's a very long way away from where they are to we are. And it's a very, very short distance from where you are to where they are. So, like, do you know what I mean? Like, it's, and that just absolutely fucking blew my mind. I was like, I was like, that is so fucking correct. The amount of effort it takes to fucking build yourself up to something, which is one of the reasons why that poor fuck is there in the first place it's because of how fucking much you have to grind in order to get something mm. from nothing mm. and it's not just getting it sometimes you're lucky enough to know people or True. you have uh, money coming and then you're and then not only that but you're you then actually put the work in and you are a hard working motherfucker and you fucking deserve what you get from that there's no like oh yeah you were born with a silver spoon up your ass it doesn't matter of course, he bought born the silver spoon up his ass, but you know what he did? He took that silver spoon out and he made a fucking empire out of it and made yeah. a lot and made a thousand people, a thousand people's lives better. Blah, blah, blah. You know, like, and then all of that bad stuff about, you know, the, yeah, but then he's given that as moot. Which is like, which is like a big purpose as well, isn't it? Like, where, you know, when someone's uh, like had a positive imp influence on people's lives, like, that is, that's a purpose and that's positive. Yeah. And that's and I think uh, yeah, purpose is you know what keeps you motivated, you know, and that's I, you know, that's a that's a big meaning, isn't it? I love that. even if there's I a you know homeless person who's like a fantastic comedian and makes people laugh and that you know and you know is is so important. 
Uh, I'm saying that because obviously, you know, like, why be nice? Yeah. Like, why be nice? Because yeah. it's like, you know, he does he does do a good point. It's like, you know, you yeah. you live and then you die. So, like, why be a positive influence? Yeah. You know? And I think it is um, being, like, being nice is, like, a, a good purpose. It just feels good, doesn't it, to be nice? You know it's, what I mean? Like, I think it's, it's like, to pass the message. You know what I mean? And I, it's think, like, I think it's to inspire hope, I think, is, I think is what that does. If you're a horrible yeah. person, then you do not inspire hope. Mm. I, I, I don't think you do. I think if you're if you if you if you are walking around and you are being nice. The other thing as well is that nice is an incredibly mercurial definition mm. of what anything is. What does mm. nice mean? Yeah. It depends what nice what means good. to Ricky Gervais in that. Yeah, like where like if if nice just means somebody that's going around and isn't affecting any change <laughs> through being nice, like and it's just mm. going around. Like, Hi there. Toxic positivity. Toxic positivity. Exactly. Whereas if you're going around and you're, you know, and you're going out of your way and you're, yeah, getting, and you've got enough I mean, something. It's like really thinking, isn't it? It's like, how would you like to be treated? If you've got it's that whole do- question, yeah. isn't if it? You've got you know? two dollars left no. in all the world, and you, yeah. and, you know, and it's a dollar for a cup of coffee, and this guy has nothing. Yeah, and you go like, I hope no. And he's like, oh, well, you only had two dollars left. And you're like, yeah, but I, my belly's full already. So I will sleep tonight, which means that here you go, here's a coffee mm. and a bun for you. Sort of thing, you know, and it's just that, you know, and you gave him the last one. Yeah. Yeah. And you didn't need to. That's being nice. Yeah. That's being fucking nice. Yeah. And and then, you know, otherwise you're just going to, no, these are my two dollars. Go fuck yourself. Sort of thing, you know, <laughs> which is being a you know, something. Yeah. Although there's, at least you could go half measure. Just buy him a bun. Buy I think. Coffee. Give him half of what you have, the one dollar. I think everyone knows nice. Uh, not everyone knows what's, what's the right thing to do. I think there's a difference. Yes, right. You know, like, I think, because you can say, like, um, you know, like DDT was like a pesticide. Basically, that was uh, I think it was in the seventies, and like it was a massive breakthrough pesticide. And then uh, what happened was it turned out it was actually it was highly toxic uh, to the environment, and it started having a big impact on people's health. So basically, the point is is that doing something good, you know, like you know agriculture, you know, like helping agriculture, etc. You know. Um, can lead to bad stuff. So the the moral of this message is basically that, you know, bad stuff can, sorry, good stuff can make bad stuff happen. So you don't always know, you know, but I think we know what nice is. There's a a difference. We we know what makes people happy. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, Ricky Gervais' character in Afterlife, like, you know, his dog made him happy. Do you know what I mean? Like, for a start, you know, it's... uh... I haven't seen that. (laughs) Have you not? No. You love it. You always see it. But um, I think my, my answer to it is that it's very philosophical. Yeah. <laughs> is that you got to, we got to put our place in the universe? You know, we got to, we got to know how small and insignificant we are. You know, uh, we're on the outer regions of a dying galaxy. <laughs> you know, in the abyss, surrounded by an insignificant star. You know, and it's like. That is planet Earth, you know, for Cole, for Cole Sagan's speech. It is amazing. You know, the pale blue dot. Go for that. <laughs> Thank you, Carl Sagan. 
I love Carl Sagan. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's amazing. Well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> God rest his soul. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, there's a. It's basically. Um, uh, I will get to a point, but the V two uh, satellite, not a satellite, V two. Uh, what do you call what, it? Rocket. No, it's not. <laughs> no, V two is a rocket. <laughs> but I think I'm getting mixed up. What am I thinking? Oh god, that's bugging me. Voyager, yeah, the Vo- Voyager one and two, yeah. So the furthest uh, man-made objects away from Sh- space. Sh- Sh- Brown, Willie Nelson. Yeah, that's it. The Golden yeah, Record, yeah. 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 And uh, what it did, it turned his camera around at Saturn yes. when he was at Saturn, and it took a picture of his famous picture of planet Earth in a ray of light, a little pale blue dot, and this is what the speech was called. Um, basically, like. Back to good, because it sounds like I'm going way off subject, <laughs> is that this pale blue job is our home. <laughs> you know, yeah, I, I can't quote Carl Sagan exactly, but everyone you've ever known, everyone you've ever loved, every dictator, every musician, every yeah. civil ruler of empires to become a momentary master of a fraction of a speck of dust in a ray of light. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, basically, like, we need to decide, is this Earth going to be a, a home that we love and cherish between all of us? This is quoted, I can't remember who it's from. Uh, or is it going to be a, a float in hell? Is it going to be a hell world, you know, in the, in the mist of space? It sounds you know? almost Coxian. Yeah. I'm not Brian too Cox. sure who it is. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Cox. yeah. But it's like... Portal as well. It's I, the person I, that writes his books with him. Right. I think that should be a that's a serious question, and that's why I think like you know how what do we want the world to be? A serious question. Like we don't look at the world from a very far distance as it is as a home. You know, a, a globe, an Earth, a world, very small one. You know, so it's like, do we want a hell world or do we want a heaven? Yeah. You know, and that's like, and that is I think why you know you should you should be nice. Just say I'm in. Absolutely. So not not correct, or because because we don't. I I don't think we know what's right. Oh, it's not black and white. It's oh, all gray. Everything, <laughs> everything is gray. It's yeah. All shade a bajillion, quintillion, million shades of gray. Mm. It really is. Um, and I, I I love what you were saying. That was fantastic. Um, uh, Oh god, you, you touched on so many things there that I want to uh, just uh, like talk about individually. Uh, but uh, one of them was in in particular though is um, is what is right and wrong though is the um, because that's the question of ethics. And I love this one is that this mm. is what I think when I don't know what to do in a situation though. Just I think of um, I'm sorry if you're a young Ian, but and I don't know because I am a young Ian. Mm. But um, if I uh, when I think about it, I think this a beautiful quote from I'm pretty sure it's Freud. Which is that um, ethics are what we do when no one's looking, <laughs> which is a beautiful turn of phrase, and, and like you know, that's a really good way of guiding your behalf in, in places where you're like, oh. um, <clears throat> yeah, what's uh, what's right or wrong? Man? Fucking crazy good question. Can I? Um, <laughs> I know what would be right though is that if we get some beer, uh, yeah. let's do another one. Do you want to um, sure, sure, grab in your guitar for a moment? I can hook you up. Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Let's do it. Play a little bit. Yeah. Oh, is it just me playing, or are you playing as well? I'm going to join you. But I'm going to grab some more beer for us both, and then I will. I'll grab. Oh, oh fuck! Bang my arm. There. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't play now. <laughs> no, I'm joking. This is going to be the definition of improvisation because we're literally. There's always some comfortable guitar. <laughs> There's always some comfortable guitar. <laughs> you don't just play your guitar. We haven't tuned it either. We said we we said we tune it before the podcast, didn't we? Well, no, we didn't tune it, so it's probably going to sound awful. I've got a Stradivarius guitar as well. Will have I told you? This guitar in the space of mine. I'm sorry about that, by the way, everybody. I'm 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 here now to save the day. I might have to just tune up quickly if I'm afraid. I'm so sorry. It's a little higher. It's one. Oh. Two. Yeah. Uh, I don't play. Guitar like regular guitar players because I'm actually a bass player. So I play like with my fingers. Yeah. <laughs> I'll get through this way. Mm-hmm. 
Musically masturbating, as they say. Oh god, I'm making a mess. There we go. Here we go. Here we go. Finish your beer. Finish it. Yeah, mate. Fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to cheers you on your new one. Your Sorry, yeah, I thought you might have been cheering. Yeah, there you go. I'm drinking my beer. Leaving your hangers. Get this. We don't believe in COVID in this house. We share beers. Controversial. We're going in the second lockdown. You don't Holo- know what to talk about. Yeah, the Holocaust wasn't real. <laughs> 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 that was oh, yeah, dude, we've watched anyway, that recently. It's funny. Oh, my God, it's so oh, funny. I love it. Fucking hell. That's what he said. Hi, bye. Bye. <laughs> the jewel of big nose. <laughs> and he dresses so as the fucking crazy. He did it really clever, though, because it's like... Oh, um, yeah, absolutely. What? Oh, um, there should be one already. I tell you what, check my room. Uh, a test tube in my shot glass on the top shelf. I'll tell you later. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Dude, wow, well, you got my stuff there up there. I'm, I'm... Oh, yeah, okay, you, yeah, you can. Oh, God, I have It's just like really simple. Um, really simple. Really, like, doing like E and, yeah. No, no, because I don't trust the auto tune. So I just go that string, tune, that string, tune. Yeah, every string I was tuning was an E. Yeah. Nick tunes every 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 note on the piano to the same note. That is the funniest thing. 
You're much better at soloing than I am. Though. I'm, I'm such a, I'm a novice at soloing. I can solo with my own stuff, so I can't. Yeah, well, you're like, yeah. Um, what are you, what are you feeling? Oh, yeah, I could do Okay, fine. You throw something at me, then I'll do. We'll try one more, and then 
then we'll get back to spoken word. What, what am I doing? I don't know. You just try, just, just throw one more. You get, get, get going on, get going on it, and then I'll, I'll, I'll see, see what I can, and uh, I'll, I'll try soloing. It's probably peaking really bad, like you're flipping. It's all equalizers. I was looking at you can there, somebody immediately tuned out the moment we were standing there. I'm not watching this shit anymore. The best you got. Oh, dude. How about considering I'm going to play acoustic? So, fucking cheers, mate. This is so much fucking fun, dude. Yeah, man, I love podcasting. Yeah, actually, I love podcasting. You actually forget about stuff. It's like like escapism. Some what? Some what? Some Jim Beam. A little bit of fire water, my friend. Sure, geezer. Absolutely, mate. And trick or treating. This is still Jim Beam. Guest first, if you want. What do you think? I have it. I have it underneath the bar. This I have it just because <laughs> I because I was like, oh, I there's a bar. You never want to run out of booze, so you always want something just in case. It's like a <laughs> yeah. You never know. <laughs> it's quite an aftertaste to it. Oh, now that's fucking Kentucky bourbon, bro. <laughs> fucking hell, wow. <clears throat> Kind of lowers the entire tone of your voice, like one whole <laughs> So when you stop doing Scotch and you're like, you start thinking like, I, I can now proclaim things. Like, <laughs> the newspapers have not printed anything in many of them. The newspapers It's how I wish to church. Do we shall not surrender? We'll fight them on the beach. Yeah. <laughs> 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 
thingy from Gladiator. Uh, uh, oh, yeah. yeah. No. Hold on. I thought the fourth. <laughs> Have you seen year one? That comedy yeah, show with Jack Black and Michael Cera. You sound yeah, like the guy yeah, on that. Yeah. Oh, when God. he, like, waxes uh, the pubic hair. <laughs> uh, Michael Cera. He has to, like, oh. wax the guy's pubic hair. <laughs> What's that like? He's yeah. like Roman, like, rich, posh. David Hemmings, <laughs> the actual person I'm trying to do an impression of, and he's he's the one that he's in. You ever seen Barbarella? No. Oh, dude, absolute ridiculous movie. It's uh, made in like the late '60s, '70s, and it's um, Jane Fonda, and she's like the whole film is like about basically she's like this space traveling alien lady. It's all a sci-fi r- ridiculousness, and. Um, uh, and she goes and sleeps with aliens that like <laughs> chatter up and stuff, and they're all like these like suave, exotic men from kind of like, <laughs> 70s, 60s. One of them being David Hemmings, which is at the end, <laughs> and um, he's the guy that does the he's the guy with the big eyebrows in Gladiator that does the oh, look for I him. think I do know what you mean. Barbarian, <laughs> like, I could picture him, I don't even need to know him just in that voice. I know, yeah, but anyway, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. He's the, like the last guy in that movie. Yeah, that's David. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ridiculous ass voice. Okay. I'm watching a lot more of um, more of a, but um, I'm watching lots of um, oh, fuck with it. Um, R- Richard Harris, Peter O'Toole, mm. and um, oh god, uh, I can't wait to talk about this with um, uh, my mate Tom. Get him on the podcast. I really want to get my brother on here as well. Actually. Yeah, man. Maybe. Okay. Yeah, so, that's the great thing about podcasting is that you see what I mean when you start doing it. Like it's. The, the setup is actually reasonably quite simple. Yeah. Like two microphones, a mixer, and a, a laptop and a camera. It's like, quite like cozy as well, though, right? Like, I think it's a cozy little, little setup you got on here. Like, it, it, it kind of forces nice conversation as well. I, I, like, it forces honest conversation. Like, whatever you talk about, you can exhaust your bullshit after a while. Like, you, mm. like if, if you're a bullshitter, and then you have to speak <laughs> honestly about something. And sure. I love that. Yeah. I love that it's it's you know, it's <laughs> such a proving thing. Yeah. Fair, most people I've had on here, apart from maybe Nathan the first time, I've actually had a, a drink with every single one, I guess. Really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which yeah. wasn't necessarily something I'd thought of at the beginning. So it's social as well, isn't it? Yeah, it takes it takes the sting out of the tail of being in front of a camera and being on a microphone. A lot of people don't like being in front of a camera. And I've, yeah. I've learned that from doing video. Like, there's a there's a certain knack to the job or, you know, comforting a person who's been interviewed and that. Because even people who like, uh, you know, like, like head teachers and that don't like being in front of cameras, you know. And it's like, and as when you're behind a camera, it is part of your job to comfort them. Because yeah. like, if you want good video footage as well, you want people to be themselves, yeah. you know, relax and that. And like, it is really, it's, you, you know, like, when you've been, like, ever been nervous, and it's like, you try and control yourself, and it's like, you can't, and it's like, you know, it's like that, isn't it? It's really, and like, well, camera's weird. I, I've yes. had, like, I've had, uh, it's like... It's unnatural. Yeah. I, I'm sure you have as well, but, like, a few job interviews where you, like, have, like, a camera interview, and you yeah. had one of them before. They're so weird. Because yeah, there's, yeah. no there's no one, there's no one feeding you any information or anything. I was like, you know what I mean? Was like, where it was, at least I had the question. 
So with my camera interview, they just said, like, yeah. so the writing came from the screen. Yeah, I don't know. There's another time, though, is no, it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you know what I'm saying? The thing is, like, recording now, and it's like, you want to do a retake? You're fuck yeah, I sucked in that one. I could do it. I had literally one of them in Manchester. I had, like, a video interview. Like you said, with the question there for you in the timer on the top, and you could see it in your peripheral, the timer, which is just more pressure. Yeah, and then it's like <laughs> I just I can do it. I said I I I messed up my arm so and the timer. Was... <laughs> yeah, I did. That's what exactly what I did. And until I saw the timer, I was like, right, and I haven't said anything. <laughs> yeah, and I just said, oh fuck shit, and then I just pressed the uh, the X on the tab. <laughs> yeah, and then I put a real person like pops up, and they're like. Hi, I'm Dolores, and I'll be <laughs> interviewing you today. What, like, what's, um, <laughs> what's the most difficult job interview you've had? Or like, oh, like the strangest? Fuck. I had a job interview once where I had an interview. <laughs> I had an interview. <laughs> All right. So I had an interview with this firm in, um, oh, fuck, what was it? It was in, it was on some industrial stuff. I had to get like a train there, and then I had to walk for ages just to get Next, next to another set of train tracks through another like two industrial estates and it was like it was a bowling like ages away and I had to do that entire walk in a suit to get to my job interview and the job interview was for a marketing uh, marketing host and I'm sat in front of this guy and um, it's he's the marketing director and he's like, he's like oh, I'm just the marketing director I don't actually head the company the company's headed by Gary or Gav or something like that. It's like, and Gary runs the entire company. He knows every scrap of DNA. He like, and he kept talking. He, the guy in front of me, the marketing guy, kept talking about Gary all the fucking time. Mm. So I was like, okay. So I take it Gary's actually the one that's meant to be interviewing me. And I was like, and at the end of the like, like he's like, he's like, oh yeah, okay. So what, what do you think? And it was really chill interview. Super chill, super nice, cool interview. And this guy absolutely knackered me out in terms of conversation. Really? I sat there for like. Yeah. It was about 40 minutes he sat with me, like, just talking about, like, who I was, what I like to do, and asking me all this, like, and then and then occasionally throwing in bog-standard interview questions, where do you see yeah. who is, what do you think you can bring to the company, sure. why did you choose us, um, what do you want to bring to the job, what do you like about the job? And then eventually, like, the door opened, and Gary walks in. Gary's got a... Um, uh, uh, three-piece like fucking suit on gray tailor-made probably savile road comes mm -hmm. in and like strides into the room and like looks the marketing direction he's like hi how are you um he's like what's going on he's like ah it's the new gentleman we're interviewing Fantastic, like you know cool sort of thing goes in and he's like right i'll i'll take it from here uh marketing interview like bold guy very tall quite pop like Good luck, well, have a good time. And it was like, wait, this is the interview? Like, sake, you know, and I'm knackered. I'm like, I've given all of my best responses, and this guy's knackered me out. It must have been like a good guy, bad guy, like tech, like, you know, good cop, bad cop. And now this fucking Gary's in front of me. He's like, you're right. He's like, right, Will, want to say one thing quickly? Will, is it? Yeah. All right. I'll say one thing. All right, this is my company. I'm buttoning this thing, you know, like, laid-back business guy. He's like, right, this is my company. Um, quick bit about, yeah, he was like, quick bit about me. This is my company. I've been running it for 14 years, and I've not, I don't have a day off uh, apart from my two weeks holiday that I have once a year, sometimes a month if I'm lucky. 
you so. But I will outwork you. I will come in after and he was like, Oh, I don't take bullshit, I don't like liars, I don't like sort of anything like that. And I was like, Fucking hell, Jesus Christ, you know what? <laughs> and I was like and eventually like he got to the end of his speech and I'd kind of like I'd I'd gained like a different and level. I think you I get, yeah, so I gained an absolute different perspective on this, where I was sitting there and I was like, right, whoever the fuck this bloke is, he's not going to kill me, and I don't have the job yet. So I was like, right, I'm going to treat this different to anything else because I've given all my bull, I've been given all my bullshit standardized responses that I would normally yeah. give to anybody. I'm like, yeah. I really want this. I believe I could sure. give this. I could bring this. I could do this. No one cares. Will right. sure. So I said to him, I was like. I just decided to be I'm brutally honest, and I, I said, I said, I'm doing this job because I've not worked in marketing before, in marketing before, and I would like to get a job in marketing to really appreciate what it's like. And in all honesty, my actual love and main goal in life is actually to be a musician, and I really don't want to do any of this at all. And I'm doing this because the fact that it's going to be a very good paycheck, but I'll turn up and I'll turn up and I'll work very hard yeah. and I will smash whatever it is that you need to give me. But I don't expect to be at the top of this ladder and I don't want your job. And I said that to him. I said, I don't want, I said, I don't want your job. And, and, he, he was, and he looked at me differently and he was like, all right, cool. Kind of thing, and then we got onto this big discord. A really nice, like he'd really dropped his guard after that. Sure, we had a really yeah. nice man-to-man discussion about work and life and everything. And I definitely knew I hadn't got the job. And sure. he didn't, yeah, and I, I didn't end up getting the job. That's so interesting. But, but yeah. somebody offered me a job the other week that anybody else that was in the same position as me. I felt like, I mean, exactly in my position. I because I, I felt yeah. like I felt like at the time, like I you, you, have you ever like almost deliberately sabotaged yourself? Uh, what do you mean? So I was uh, in a situation where there was a lady, and she was from a recruitment agency, and she was talking to me, uh, and uh, she said, um, uh, "Oh, hi, well, um, uh, I was talking to her over the phone, and she was like, oh, God, you're very, well, she said, you seem to have a very good phone manner, and mm. um, I, I, we're actually, she tried cross-selling me and cross-offering, <laughs> she offered me another job on her own, yeah, we're looking for a customer service advisor here at the company, and the pay is this, and it's this, and all you have to do is this, and this, and this. And they said, would you be interested? Because I know you're actually looking for um, other jobs, but this one, I think, is, might be a little... And that's well, she were looking for another job. Yeah, well, I was looking for a job that had nothing to do with customer quite, service. Quite brave of her to say, isn't it? Because yes, it's like, you so... might have really wanted to do that job. And I, I said... I thank you very much. Mm. I'm afraid I'm not interested. Thank you very much. She sure. Said, she said, well, "Why not?" I said, "I said, I, I just had this thing that went off in my head where I was like, you asked, so I'm going to, I'm going to answer honestly." And, and she said, "Well, um, okay, um, uh, so, 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 I think her name was like Sakura or something like that." And I was like, "My mm. Sakura, and then Sakura." Okay. And she was like, "Yeah, yeah." I was like, "Okay, um, well, uh, listen, if look." <laughs> Um, I've done a job which was quite similar to this before, and if I'm completely perfectly honest, um, I find that going home at the end of the day, I still have the job with me. I finish the job, and I still have to do the job when I'm at home. There's things that the job requires me to do on my days off. I mm. do not like these jobs. Mm. 
And she mm. said, uh, and I said, I said another thing as well. I said this to her, and um, Emily can back me off on this. One. <laughs> in the room when I said this, yeah. I, said I, I just being very uh, blunt and honest. I said, I said, I find in a lot of places which are a lot of jobs which are especially things to do with um, uh, anything where I'm a representative for a company in terms of customer service is that I end up doing a lot of I, I end up being handed the company's dirty laundry <laughs> which is apparently a very <laughs> I said it to her and she she was like wow that she was like really loud <laughs> and like so like and Emily was like I can't believe you just said that to her balls <laughs> on you and I was <laughs> like I was like yeah but that's me being <laughs> yeah because I can't yeah. any other way to be I'd rather you know I'd love that you know like think what you will about Gnarly old Gandhi with his like yeah. viewpoint towards the family. It's really tricky. He says, "I'd rather live. I'd rather die on my feet than live on my." Knees. I completely respect that. And I do think there are times in life where you you have to job, personally. Now, I, I, I finish it. I get it at the end of the day, and it, I, I, I don't yeah. think about my job. When I'm, when I'm done now. No, amen. I have the same. I'm exactly the same. I love that. I, I, I was, have uh... me. I don't have people, I don't have somebody that knows my number. I don't have people fucking emailing me saying, don't forget about this tomorrow. You know, yeah. this can I <laughs> And then you can work on other stuff, can't you? Oh, you can Jesus work on Christ. podcasts. And... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. The fact that I can't orienteer it to get myself yeah. a different phone and all that. It's the fact that... Oh. <laughs> but we have technical issues. Um, <laughs> was it with Jamie? Was it? Where's Jamie? Where's Jamie? Young Jamie. Uh, it's the, um, there we go. Bit of force. It's that I don't want to do. Um, I, 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 somebody very wise once said to me, "Never, never be at the bottom of a ladder. Never be working on the bottom of a ladder. You don't want to be at the top." And okay. I completely that resonated with me so hard. So as a result, I have never been working for anything that I like. I wouldn't consider my working my way up and me being a mm. positive. Sorry, not positive. The most honest version of myself. Where I've been like, yeah, like I'm saying, I'm going like, look, the company is what it is. These people are dicks. These people are fantastic. So that's the reason why I work it. It's too big. And it needs this sort of level of management. I'm here to fulfil this function. I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Like sort I think of I think when you're working in a job, per, I think when you're working in a job um, that you, it's good to set goals. I think because it's like it gives a purpose. Do you know what I mean? So like, if you're working towards a career goal, it is good because it's sort of like, like I say, giving you purpose. But I don't know if there's a but. <laughs> yeah. But I think. So long as you're putting something where you are ahead of you, you're not going to be content. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Now, that is important to know. So, like, if you start a job, you know, if you go to uni and you graduate and you, you get your dream job and you start, um, like you say, you know, doing the rags, whatever. Well, I don't know where that what expression you said, but you know what I mean? Yeah, you yeah. do the dirty work. <laughs> do you know what yeah. I mean? You do the dirty work. You start off doing the dirty work. And it's like, and then you work up to there. And then you get to there, and you work up to there. Yes. There's always there's always a another point, isn't there, to work to? You know, we, you know, we we we've all heard that before. You know, and it's like, um, so it's like, yeah. And you say like, you know, if you find a job that you you are happy in, you know what I mean? And it's like, I just think think it it doesn't always have to be an outcome of a of a situation. Like, I think it's fun just to enjoy stuff sometimes. Like 
you can learn a new instrument, but you don't have to get grade eight in it. Yeah. You know, you can start a a hobby, you know, but you don't have to make, you know, a hundred thousand pounds, you know, at this point. You don't. Do you know what I mean? A lot of people disagree because it's like, do you know what I mean? Goal setting, etc. But it's like, I personally like being spontaneous, and I, I have been a lot happier since doing yeah. that. Do you know what I mean? Because it's like. My job allows me to do that right now. I can be mm. spontaneous. I can do what I want. The minute I finish work, I'm I clock out. I'm my own yeah. man. I can do whatever but, I want. Yeah, and, and there is and my work recognizes that, and I respect the fact that my work recognizes that. And sure, I like it for that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. The same here. I'm done. The minute I, I think... clock out, I can, I can say whatever the fuck I want on my podcast. And I yeah, do, <laughs> play whatever the fuck um, that we want to do and sound however we want to sound in the studio with our band. Yeah, but do you not think you learn so much, like? You know, from all the different jobs you do. Because it's yeah. like, I'm nothing like the job I am working now compared to how I started. You, like, when you were a kid, though, did you, how did you <laughs> think that you were going to, like, did you have any expectations on, like, what you were going to do in terms of work? Like, you were like, oh, I'm just going to end up in film. No, really. Like, no, or... I never have. No. I, I, I literally, I threw it through the doorstep. I in life. I was going to be an actor. I threw I, it through the doorstep in life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm serious. Like I, I literally just. Oh, that's not. You know what I mean? Like, like, do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Uh, that's literally what I do. I just, um, I, 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 I do stuff until I get life starts to become get boring. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. The moment is, is, it's good. Do you know what I mean? I really enjoy it. Is I, like, I've accepted, I've accepted a lot of stuff. But to do that, I've had to do stuff like teaching the prison. You know. Yeah. Like. I think try accepting who I am a little bit more, like because it's like I'm obviously working at you know Royal Mail at the moment, which is like, but it gives me about time to myself. And actually, like listen to podcasts and that whilst I'm whilst I'm doing my job, you know, you can put your headphones in. And it's like I do like talking to people about that. Also, I like that time on my own. It's like it's really good for that that kind of thing. And when I was teaching, I was just constantly, you know, doing like lessons and everything. You know, so. You know, which is so important, though, because it's like you, you learn a lot of life skills, but at the same time, you, there's, I don't know, there's in, in some ways there's there's not so much um, a time for um, it, it's sometimes difficult to innovate when you have pressure. Mm. Like pressure does not always grant innovation, like all the time. I mean, it's like. Um, I mean, uh, the, one of the main arguments in the, against that, unfortunately, would be obviously um, oh God, uh, from the third man. You know, Orson Welles' speech where he talks about um, he says, um, "Oh God, the um, he says the, the the Renaissance, the Renaissance in Italy. They had the Borgias and they had four hundred years of war, and but they had the Renaissance and Leonardo da Vinci, Leonardo da Vinci, Michelangelo, and." Um, you know, like some of the some of the greatest and most prosperous times that the world has ever seen. He says in Switzerland they had over four hundred years of brotherly love, and what did that what did that give the cuckoo clock? You know, like and it's uh, I a lot of my innovation does thrive from stress and pressure, but a lot of it also like I, I like stress and pressure when it's on the job, and then yeah. it's, and then the moment I finish the job, it's. it's it's done, and that's one of the great things about music is like that. Art is like that. Art, when yeah. you're in that moment, you can think and plan all you want, but until you're actually in that moment, it's you know, like it's it's 
it's completely different. Yes, yeah. and that's why I like about it. It's the same thing with painting. You can have all of the prep work you want, but unless mm. you're, you know, if you're actually doing prep work, that's different. If you're practicing, yeah. that's different. Like, yeah, but and I, you know, I still put in the time. Fucking practice. I practiced for three hours yesterday unintentionally. But yeah. I loved it. I fucking loved every minute of it. It hurt my pain. I couldn't go to sleep because I could feel the muscles and the tendons in my hands afterwards. And I do an old, I do a, a job all week where I'm using my hands all the fucking time, mm. all the time. But then, you know, I get home and then I do another three hours on my bass guitar. Mm. And I, but I love that. And at the end of that, uh, when I wake up the next day, my hands feel <laughs> like fucking, you know, like my forearms feel like yeah, yeah like. Rope, you know, like I, you know, I feel really fucking strong at the end of the end, something like that. It feels great. I love that. Yeah, that's a blessing, <laughs> and I have that's that's how I have to look at it. It's like what we we're talking about earlier. You know? Yeah, you, you get your perspective. And I think I think thinking time is really important. You know, yes. like you have like obviously, uh, you know, the apple falling on Isaac Newton's head. You know, that's not that's not obviously thinking time. That's chance. Do you know mm. what I mean? And that idea came to his head from that. Uh, but then I also think competition can be good. Uh, kind of uh, contradicting what I said a minute ago, but no, <laughs> competition competition's good in the respect that if you take, you know, going to the moon, like a race to the moon, you know, with like Russia and America. Stress moving in that river. Like That's when a got, the exact stress. Like, yeah. that, that is a race against time. You, you, you've <laughs> got to do this thing in three days and you need yeah. this thing which takes three days to do finished in two because you've also got another other two things that needs, mm. you know, that require one day to do. So you've got to finish fix those two things and then one that day, you know. Like and then all yeah. that time management plus actually doing and making the thing itself, which you've got to do it in a rushed perspective. That was really strange because it like it went from a war to a race to get to space <laughs> yeah. like in the space of a few years like that's that's really strange i find it's oh, like because you had like obviously you know these these weapons being produced like we said the v2 rocket earlier even though you know the rocket the propulsion won the actual speed of the space like the americans Technically, one like well, it's the, everyone. Like, I think yeah, but I always argue this. Like, <laughs> it's a global <laughs> achievement. Yeah. It has loads of different minds to do it. And I, I, I do think it's American, uh, yes, partner. Yeah, I do think Americans a bit, in my my opinion, uh, take too much credit for that. And, and I do think it should be uh, an achievement for everyone because uh, I, I, I admire the, the patriotism. I, I do you know what I mean? But then again, it's like. It is Von Braun and that, you know, and, and his, his German rocket team, you know, oh, that, that went to America. Because he, he never... What's that? Von Braun? Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. But he never wanted to uh, make weapons. Like he, he always had a dream to go to space, to go to the moon. He wanted to make the first rocket. So he, uh, he went to, to America with his rocket team from Germany after the war. Yeah, so I, but that that's that's not healthy competition. We're not going to the moon anyway. But then there's also like like master weapons now, isn't there? Like yeah. nuclear weapons. Well, that's the, scary. The, the, I think <laughs> the, the three people that I think you and I've to, spoken about this quite a few times, haven't we? Is the the three people that quoted um the, the one of those Hindu books you know, when they quote uh, uh, Kali, the goddess of death. 
the, the great destroyer world. world. Yeah, and it's like isn't it? Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer um, and um, Optimov Kalashnikov, the uh, AK forty seven. Right, uh, developer, and um, oh, what's the other guy as well? Um, it was um, Alfred Nobel, the developer of the Nobel Prize. Okay, because um, he invented di- TNT dynamite. Oh, okay. Yeah, and then obviously AK forty seven, and then mm. the atomic bomb Oppenheimer. Yeah, all three of them. Said, <laughs> I am become death destroyer. Yeah, all three of them have been right. have quoted that or quoted one of the other person saying, "Yeah, I'd like to quote Oppenheimer," and that's why, like, but. You know, the scientists never did it to create war. Like, they, they weren't looking at the ethics. Because all, all the... I'm so glad you brought it. Because we were talking <laughs> about it. I had yeah. from earlier, which was... Um, sorry to... Um, like, anyway, you, you, you keep going. I was just going to say, all the, uh, like, physicists and all the people working on it, they they all um, had different jobs within the role. Do you know what I mean? Because it's not like every single one of them, I should imagine, were working at it, thinking about, oh, we're making a bomb to destroy civilizations no you know like this person was looking at you know splitting atoms and isotopes and well whatever do you know what i mean i don't know the exact physics but it's like every single one of them would have had different jobs yeah you know so it's like catalytic, catalytic implementation on a new, a new yeah. device to assist with the reactivity yeah the speed sort of thing like you know like that's that one guy you know like that's yeah. one guy who's heading a <laughs> department of 12 people yeah kind of thing yeah you know, like... and it was it yeah because einstein even wrote to uh wrote to the american government um saying that the germans could potentially be working on this super weapon you know the nuclear bomb he sort of understand the physics about it, you know. So he he wrote a letter to the U.S. president uh, saying about this potential weapon. And that's when they started the Manhattan Project. Mm. Yeah. So I know um, uh, who was it in World War Two? Was it the um, who did develop the um, oh god, wasn't it um, Heisenberg? Was it Heisenberg? Oh. He developed the Harb process, but he also he also developed Zyklon B. Yeah. yeah, was it him that? I don't know if he invented in Zyklon B. Yeah, yeah, he, he, yeah, he developed Zyklon B, which was and he won a Nobel Prize. Um, he won a Nobel Prize for the Harb process, which is what we use for pulling nitrogen out of the atmosphere, oh, which is what okay. provides most of the like sixty percent of all crop life on Earth yeah. with all of its nitrogen. That's that's who that he was the leader of. It's how we get nitrogen. Yeah. Now it's how every single <laughs> chemical process that has yeah. obtained nitrogen. So he was he was put in charge of the, the German nuclear nuclear weapon. He was uh, he was in charge of it. Mm. Heisenberg. Yeah. But that's another thing though where you have that, you know, almost unintentional you know, like the, what we were talking about earlier, where you have something Positively evil to the point yeah. of ridiculousness that also <laughs> yeah. simultaneously produces something which like nuclear power, something yeah. that killed five million people that you know created and saved the lives of hundreds and hundreds of million, you know, like assisted yeah. with the light building the lives of over billions of people. Sure, really? well, because of like a peace, peace treaty. So, like, you yeah, have this, I mean, you have harbor, this nuclear bomb, the harbor process feeds probably. Over over two billion people, probably even more than that. Maybe. Mm. You know, mm. but then mm. his method, or like the way he presented cycle, how many people did cycle be kill? Mm. You know, like, oh, the god, there's a fucked up statistic I heard, which is like, uh, like Kissinger and Nixon dropped more bombs on Vietnam than 
than all of the First and Second World War put together or something like that in terms of all the shells that were launched or something back in the day. Like, you'd have to look that one up. Somebody said that to me. I was like, the fuck out. And I looked it up. I looked, I looked it up and whatever it was they said to me, it was fucking true. I was like, shut up. <laughs> like the, like yeah, the yeah, actual we can hear that. Like, yeah, like, wow, cheers. Like, yeah. yeah, that's made my day happier. Yeah, yeah to hear yeah. that. Yeah. I should have that job, I need to be in charge of this. It was actually someone's job to to uh, have a, the most economical way to kill Jews. Right? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Well, well, someone's job to, to have the most economical way of of of, of delivering a, a nuclear mm. we- weapon. Enola Gale, wasn't it? Wasn't that the Enola Gale? That is Enola Gale. Yeah, that's the Nolan Gay. Yeah, the B, whatever it was. Twenty nine. Yeah, it was American bomber. Yeah, dropped it on the fucking dropped the little boy. That's the second one, which is a plutonium bomb, and then the first one was a nuclear bomb. So, yeah, yeah. What have we done? Conversations. We got from we got from horror movies. To, to, to music and then to for some reason it's interesting and god knows why <laughs> god knows why oh, okay. we're on like two hours two, nearly two hours and seven minutes by the way now yeah, yeah is that yeah. like an average podcast time uh, not reasonably I mean how, how are you doing <laughs> you cool <laughs> yeah I'm knackered <laughs> really yeah oh dude you wanna are you cool I've yeah. had a long drive haven't I absolutely yeah right. well I'll tell you what mate we'll um, we'll kind of we'll start winding down now um did you have anything you want to play? You've got social media, any films that you're like, sort of, like, you said you weren't really working on films, you're taking a break. From well, so, my yeah. uh, video business, MA Films. Yeah. Um, yeah, which so, is. Check uh, the description for the link. Stick a link in there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, which is basically like uh, promotional videos for companies. So, like any businesses who are looking for a promotional video, then they can do it through video. Uh, but not just any video, like cinematic, you know, like. You know, video tells a story. It's the best way to get your company's message across through video in a short amount of time. So I think a lot of uh, people who explain their business to people who've never heard it, you know, it's just the quickest, easiest way of doing it, just to press this video and have like an honest, you know, good way of telling the story for a business. So, yeah. Sweet, dude. Cool. Well, thank you ever so much for coming on the podcast. Thanks, man. This has been so yeah. fun. Yeah, yeah. Hey. That's been so much fun, mate. Thank you ever so much for doing that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, thank yeah. you ever so much, everybody, for tuning in. This has been the Scotty Conversations. Yes. Another magnificent, magnificent episode. Yeah. And um, thanks for having me, man, as well. Yeah, dude. Excellent, mate. I'm hoping you have a good time. I have actually. It's really good. I'd love to have you on again when we are on fucking full on COVID lockdowning next Thursday. But. <laughs> It'll be what it is, and we'll get through it. It'll it be is what it is. It is what it is. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm if and down, have a good time though, right? <laughs> yeah, fucking yeah, yeah. yeah. Together <laughs> and shit, dude. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> fucking yes. Absolutely. Yeah, bouncy and, castles. Yeah. Old bouncy castles. Strobe lights. Uh, Andy strobe light. Big <laughs> shout. <laughs> 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 right, epilepsy. Oh. Is that a hundred pound stroke bite or something? Oh, God, no, I, I, yeah, I think so. Like, <laughs> it was. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
<laughs> Man, we couldn't use it. <laughs> no, we just told her to go and sit in another room, and she's like, no, I want to be in this room. Why would you subject yourself to something that you know is going to give you harm? That's when I got back from the, um, back from London, and I got back, and someone's uh, trying to sell me laughing gas. And I'm like, this is my own house. <laughs> <laughs> like, trying to, like, buy powerful a gas canister or whatever, or laughing gas. <laughs> and I was like, fuck off, this is our house. <laughs> narcotics in my own house. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, in the building. Oh, in the house. Oh, do you remember we tried that? <laughs> oh, God, no. Yeah, I don't right. remember that. <laughs> I don't remember that. Oh, that's never happened. That was my first time, though. <laughs> was it in my couch in my room? No, so someone outside Z Bar. I had it in the car. Do you remember? Oh my god. <laughs> and we walked up those stairs like absolutely stitches. Oh my god, yeah, I do remember that. I think Greg was there as well, potentially. Someone else was there. Anyway. I don't think I'm not sure. I don't anyway, thank you so much, well, that was that was right. bonus, bonus <laughs> fetch, bro. Thanks everybody. <laughs> Oh, that's weird. <laughs> Do you actually remember that? That's 